Hello and welcome to the Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. My name is Sierra and in this podcast, nothing is off limits. From my crazy life to yours, it's time to share our experiences and get into those gritty details. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Real Talk with Pillow Talk Studios. Today we have brand ambassador Chelsea who has had a crazy past few years of her life in learning how to find herself after leaving oppressive religion. So this episode is going to be really eye-opening and probably really shocking to some listeners. So there's also going to be a trigger warning for cult-like religion and suicide. So we're going to start with a bunch of background information so that listeners can really understand what's going on here and get to know how you were raised. So tell us about the religion you were a part of. Yeah, so I grew up as a Holdeman Mennonite, which is just a different version of Mennonites. There's so Mm -hmm. many of them. So this was founded by John Holdeman back in the day. Of course, he had to name it after himself. Yes, (laughs) as most men do. And what was God in that is it a sect is that what you say like a religious sect or like um, in that you could call yeah you could call it that or belief system yeah i should say so their view of god is a very fear-mongering mm-hmm. oppressive approach to following him it's just you follow him or you go to hell that's crazy yeah i grew up religious as well and my opa used to say sometimes you just need the fear of god in you I know. <laughs> How does that make a person want to I, follow that? I don't like, know, but I think too, like when you when you grow up like that and you think that you do something wrong, you're gonna be like smited and there's gonna be the lightning bolt that comes and zaps you and kills you, whatever. That's kind of like what you think because that's how you've been raised. Oh, right? Exactly. Yeah. And like even the <laughs> smallest thing that you do wrong brings up so much anxiety of like oh no I -hmm. am going to hell now because I stole something from the dollar store so in the notes you made for me you mentioned groom and bride can you talk about that a little bit in terms of like religious aspects yeah yes so God and and the trinity would be like the groom Mm -hmm. and the church is the bride and so then they are like molding the bride Mm -hmm. to then become one right and holy trinity did you guys believe in like father son and holy ghost is yes. that what it was okay yes. cool 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 and so you were raised this way from 1992 like from being a baby until 2008 yes so a very good chunk of your life oh yes 15 yeah. years yeah that is a long time oh my goodness <laughs> yes. yeah so something that a lot of people don't know is that many religions don't actually believe in evolution and a lot of things just taught in the public school system in general so what were you raised to believe instead of evolution that the bible is the truth 100 percent. there's no questioning it that the earth is six thousand years old and any history of beyond that is mm-hmm. just fake that evolution could not could not have happened because mm-hmm. the big bang will didn't happen. didn't happen yeah and so yeah they just they just kind of skip over it and like oh we don't believe that so let's not gonna we're not gonna teach it right and so like when jesus died and rose again like that was part of it too wasn't mm-hmm. it yes. yeah. yeah yeah that's so crazy and then in your notes as well you had like earth is internal damnation yeah so my understanding is when when jesus comes back to 
to like like what's the wording? The was um, the resurrection? Yeah, the yeah. resurrection day. Like yeah. when he comes back and yeah. he takes his followers to heaven with him, mm-hmm. then Earth will become like the new hell, I guess. That's so and wild. like Earth will become eternal damnation. Wow. And anyone who does not follow Jesus has yeah. not accepted him as savior will then just stay on Earth and be in damnation. Right, and not be permitted no. into heaven. So I have to ask too. Did people in your church think that the second coming was going to happen in their lifetime? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. That's the word for it, second coming. Second I was coming. like yeah, trying yeah, to think yeah. of what is this called? <laughs> it came easier that way yeah. when I thought about it like that. But yeah, I had youth leaders that all the time, they're like, when the second coming happens, it's going to happen before I die. All of this kind of stuff. But like, of course, generations and generations and generations yeah. for hundreds of years have thought that yeah. that's going to happen too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they would explicitly say like it's going to happen in my generation, mm-hmm. but they would be like this earth is not my home. So mm-hmm. it's I'm I'm not going to why would I put effort into mm-hmm. earth when I'm going to have my future in heaven. Yeah. And so just kind of that understanding and and this is kind of off topic, but it kind of plays into them not voting and or them not in any politics or right. or army or <laughs> navy anything like that because why fight for a country that's not their country because they're going to go to heaven in a way. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. At least that's my understanding of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some people do voting and stuff like under under the table. Yes. And just don't tell Probably. people. But yeah. So I kind of have a little funny story about the earth is 6,000 years old thing. I had an old friend come in for a boudoir session earlier this year and she came to my youth group a few times because she's a couple years younger than me, so she came with some other friends. And she, I was like, yeah, you kind of like stopped coming after a while. Why was that? She was like, because they made us watch these videos on why dinosaurs aren't real. <laughs> and I had no idea. There was actually like a good chunk of time where I was either out of the country with like different things I was doing or I just like was, I, I had like a very weird chronic bronchitis thing going on when I was in grade 11. So I'm pretty sure that's when it was because I don't remember any of this that's and funny. I totally would remember it because I remember like looking back now and like thinking like that was pretty fucked up. Like yeah. a lot of the stuff that we had to do in youth group. It's, it's yeah, it yeah, really is. Yeah. yeah, so I had no idea. And then more recently I had another friend come in who was a part of that friend group and everything. And she said it was like a four or five week long Bible study from week to week to week. And it was just all of these videos about how dinosaurs aren't real, how evolution isn't real, how all of this stuff isn't real. Which like, how can you just disregard scientific fact I mean sure we don't understand evolution and that's fine we don't Mm -hmm. have to but you don't just completely disregard it and not teach it and just ignore it yeah exactly exactly doesn't make sense to me no it well excuse me no it doesn't at all (laughs) so a lot of people tend to not know what communion is even can you explain like just in general what communion is yeah so communion is based off of the last supper when jesus was preparing to go to the cross Mm -hmm. and so he with his followers he fed them bread and he fed them wine and he washed their feet Mm -hmm. as an act of respect and love for them and so communion is is us doing that as as a group to just align ourselves once a mm-hmm. year to, to to God, I mm-hmm. guess. And um, I guess I should mention too that like a lot of churches will do it once a month. Yes, yeah. exactly. So yeah. 
my growing up Mennonites do it once a year. Um, the church that I went to like after Mennonites does it once a month. And then some, in terms of the Mennonites, they have a two week kind of like preparation where they bring in pastors from different congregations to prepare the congregation mm -hmm. to do communion together. And so sometimes the pastors will be like, actually your, your church is not aligned with our beliefs or not aligned really? with God. So we're not going to do communion this year. Oh my gosh. See, for me, it was just like, do I feel like doing communion, communion today? No. Yeah. No. If, okay. if the pastors <laughs> say no, it doesn't happen. Um, Did but that ever happen to Enderby, you guys? To yeah. my knowledge, Enderby Church has not done communion in like 15 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Holy crap. Because I think based on the people that I know from mm -hmm. in the last 15 years since we've left, mm -hmm. they have progressed mm -hmm. more so than, I mean, not as much as the world, but mm -hmm. enough for Mennonites. And so I think that that's kind of put them a little bit at odds right. with like the higher ups or oh whatever. Oh my gosh. So these people probably still come around that time. Every year. Yeah. yeah they do two weeks. It's like, it's Holy. weekly. Every night yeah. you go to church for a sermon. If it's two weeks, it's called hell. <laughs> kind of. There's a word for it and I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, so then yeah. It's intense. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so so they come for do all that stuff, get you prepped and everything. And there's a lot more that goes into it. So like there's like the baptism or the did I say baptism in my notes? The communion itself. Like what was the actual like process like? Yeah, so only baptized members do communion. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um and you can get baptized at whatever age you choose. Mm -hmm. So that's not like a child or infant baptism or anything. Mm -hmm. And so the the you have the two weeks of the sermons and you the church gets prepared and then they're like, Okay, yeah, we're good to go for communion. Mm -hmm. And so then it's just at the end of the two weeks Oh, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. Every baptized member mm -hmm. has to go up in front of the whole church and kind of vaguely confess, confess. their sins to the whole congregation. Ugh. So 12 year old me standing up there and like my mom had written me like a little thing to kind of recite. But like, I remember just like fucking trembling. Well, absolutely. And just like, cause all these old men and old ladies and every judgy face is just staring at you and yeah. you have to just kind of like, yeah, I fucked up. Sorry. Let's go to communion. I mean, okay. Yeah, like, sorry, I didn't do my chores and I didn't listen to my mom when I she know. told me to listen to her. Like, yeah. sorry, I didn't get 10 out of 10 on my spelling test. Basically. Like, I mean, yeah. And so every, every baptized member has to go up and say that. Yeah. So that could take a long time too. Oh yeah, that takes like a full service and a half. Oh my gosh. And then and then the whole church is ready for communion and mm -hmm. then the the women go to the the spare room whatever, the yeah. large room. English is hard today. That's apparently. okay. I'm trying to think like a fellowship. Yes, okay. thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like if there was a fellowship room in my church, maybe yeah. they had it too. Yeah. yeah. So the women go to the fellowship room mm -hmm. and they take off their pantyhose because mm -hmm. then the ministers' wives and the deacons' wives will mm -hmm. wash their feet. Mm -hmm. But in the fellowship hall, because oh my god, the men can't see that. And then and then you know you go back to the bathroom, you dry your feet, put your pantyhose back on, and mm -hmm. then you go back to the regular like church room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like the shirt hall kind of thing, like where it is. And yeah. why can I not find words It's okay. Today? No, it's also something like you haven't talked about in a long time. It's so true, it's, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's completely um, fine. Yeah. And so that takes a process and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's, from, from my recollection, it's the feet washing is first. Mm -hmm. And then everyone is back in the main hall. Mm -hmm. And then they pass around the cups of juice. Mm -hmm. And everyone takes a sip from the cup of juice. So if you have a cold, you're infecting that whole damn church. And then they pass around the bread as well, mm -hmm. and then it was it the takes little bread. wafers, or did you actually have just like bread? little bread? 
oh. little bread cubes. Oh, that would have been so much better. Than yeah, those it was actually first. so much better. Yeah. Than this. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that that's basically communion and then mm-hmm. you would greet you know the person closest to you you would greet them with the holy kiss mm-hmm. which is like female to female like not french kissing but like you know you're touching lips and really oh yeah okay because when i read holy kiss i was like that's probably like a little handshake or a hug or something no it's full on lip on lip that's fucked up it's fucked up oh my gosh yeah. but oh my homosexuality is a sin yeah <laughs> oh my gosh so it was actually so it was just like a little like like yeah, little, yeah, little nothing, okay, nothing like a little crazy. Peck, nothing yeah. crazy, but and, like, still. I get that because, like, my family is European, so, like, you know, we do often, like, there is sometimes every once in a while, like, there's a lip kiss. Like, yeah. it's nothing crazy, but, like, I could not imagine doing that with people at my church. Yeah, and it's it's only, like, like mm-hmm. the same gender that's going to do that. Yeah. But, like, like, for instance, when I was baptized at 12 years old, then mm-hmm. all these women come up to greet me with the holy kiss. So, like, my aunt, mm-hmm. the minister's wife, some random old, my, my teacher, mm-hmm. who... Yeah, no. You know? Yeah. And it's just, like... Ugh. It like, makes me uncomfortable even thinking about oh, it. Oh, completely. Yeah. Like, how I so normalized it, and now mm-hmm. talking about it, like, 18 it's, years later, and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> That is so crazy. No, yeah, when I read that, I was like, yeah, just like a little hug or something. No. I mean, again, nothing sexual, but still, it is lip-on-lip action. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and I think now that we've gone through a pandemic and we still have COVID going around and all of these other, like, crazy viruses, we don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah, I hope hope not. No. I don't know. I mean, yeah, again, it's been 15 years, so. So excommunication is still something that, actually happens in a lot of different churches and a lot of different religions. It's not just something that the Amish go through. It's probably what most people think. They're mm-hmm. like, if you think of excommunication, you think of the Amish, and it's yeah. not like that at all. No. So how is excommunication <laughs> treated in your Mennonite community? So the ones that I had kind of sat in is the uh, the church elders, meaning like the deacons and the, and the ministers, would bring up brother Charlie went drinking and he needs to be excommunicated and and find his relationship with Jesus again and then he can come back and get put back or communicated again. So then they, you know, they tell the church about what so and so is doing and then the church votes on whether or not that person should be excommunicated. Oh, and wow. then that person is. And then once they're excommunicated, they can't come to, like, members-only services. They they can only come to, like, regular Sunday services. So they can still have their beliefs and, like, go to church. But not the same as they could before. Yeah. So they Mm -hmm. can't go to, like, because about once a month they would have, like, a members-only kind of church service for all the baptized people. Yeah. And then that's when they would talk about, you know, the troublesome ones <laughs> for lack of a better word so gossip basically yeah basically yeah. In, a, in a way yeah and then vote on whether like is this person has this person like found their faith again or are they still right. excommunicated like i remember once this girl she was in the same grade as my brother mm-hmm. and she she went up there and she said yeah like i went out drinking i went out, went out partying like i've sinned and i'm i'm aware of that and then they voted they excommunicated her and then she left the building and never to be seen again <laughs> no no okay. she, <laughs> she she you know had a spiritual encounter and she got re recommunicated and mm-hmm. she's happily married with kids now still mennonite and you know yay hmm. yay for her yeah. but it was i remember just sitting in that service and be like and now she has to leave like it's yeah. just Weird. It's messed up. Like, yeah. instead of, like, supporting someone through that time, yeah. it's like... And, like, this is a teenager. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, you have to leave. What is that actually going to 
do to someone, it's going to like really yeah. affect their mental health, which of course is not something talked about yeah. in church either. No. So when it comes to like other social gatherings and stuff, like how would that work? Yeah, so they're they're big on social gatherings. And that's honestly the one thing they do really well. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I do miss to an extent is the community because sure it's borderline toxic, but mm-hmm. they are there for each other and like yeah. that's part's really nice. Mm-hmm. So social events, the big ones would be weddings. Weddings are huge. Mm-hmm. If it's two different congregational weddings, fucking massive. It's gonna be like six hundred um, people potentially. Oh my gosh. I oh yeah, four hundred to six hundred people. Yeah. Give or take. Just if it's in, just like in Timbuktu kind of like Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh. For instance, yeah, so one of my close friends, we're still, we still catch up. Mm-hmm. She married someone from Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. so, and, and the wedding is always in the girl's hometown. Mm-hmm. So then the wedding was in Enderby, and so it's going to be all the Enderby congregation, and most of the Saskatchewan congregation are going to travel for that. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically two, two full congregations coming together to celebrate this wedding. So yeah, lots of extra chairs, lots of extra food. And usually they do two different like food services because it's just not enough space to seat everyone at the same time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so I'm also assuming, I know this is like off topic that like all of these women would be like cooking for like two weeks preparing for all of this. No, they have a food committee actually. Oh, I had no idea. Okay. (laughs) So they have, they have a food committee that like they're going to have maybe four families on mm-hmm. the food committee and like run but like the husband and wife kind of run it together mm-hmm. and so then they would come together like a month before and kind yeah. of plan out the food huh. see what the budget is of who's if the bride's family how much budget they're willing to put into this wedding how yeah. much food they're willing to hmm. to serve hmm. and then yeah so then the week of the wedding they're gonna like cook through the nines it's a lot yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. but going back to of course being excommunicated it's like these people lose their community yes Mm -hmm. yeah it's not an it's not as intense as of an excommunication as say jehovah's witness because i know Mm -hmm. with that if you're excommunicated like you can't be friends with that person versus like sure i'm not necessarily friends with a lot of these mennonite people that i grew up with Mm -hmm. but like they're not gonna if if i come across them on the street they're not gonna be like oh i can't look at chelsea it's it's more like hey how's it going you know we'll catch up and Mm -hmm. then we carry on so it's not as harsh as some but it is still quite harsh in that they're not going to invite me over for dinner anymore uh, and or vice versa and you know you just slowly that contact just slowly goes away yeah so it's still really sad it is still sad i know for me like because i was 15 when we left Mm -hmm. i still maintained some of that contact for the first like year and then it just kind of naturally just started to fall away and that's just normal and that's to be just expected. life yeah. yeah yeah absolutely so we've talked a little bit about education already but we haven't like dove in deep into it so how is Mennonite schooling like what what goes on there it's fucked <laughs> <laughs> now this is again the schooling that I grew up with so from like 1999 to 2008 mm-hmm. so my family was a little bit different in that they put all of us kids I have two older brothers. Mm -hmm. They put us all in like worldly kindergarten at like the school in Enderby. We all did one year of kindergarten. That was frowned upon. My parents were scolded and they just put all three of us kids in anyway. (laughs) So yay. But that was not, that's not the norm. No. And then the kindergarten, it was literally one week of kindergarten. Like Mennonite kindergarten is one week. What? At least it was for me. It was one week and it was taught by my mother. (laughs) And so I was just like, okay. 
And so, you know, you learn to write your name and that's essentially, and you kind of learn a little bit of like what the school is going to look like. And, yeah. And I mean, from what I remember, the only thing I honestly remember is A, I was annoyed it was my mother teaching because I couldn't act out as much, but yep. that's just whatever. Yep. <laughs> and two, I learned how to write my name and that, that's all I really remember. But again, yeah. it was the one week. That is so And then so the, next, wild. Yeah. the next September, then you're grade one. Holy. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So kindergarten to grade nine is the regular yes. Mennonite schooling. Yes. And what were the subjects? So obviously a lot of Bible history, math, English, not really any social studies, not, no, no biology. Heaven forbid we learn our bodies. Yeah. No, like not a lot of world history other than what is kind of like commonplace that could be explained through biblical context. Mm-hmm. No science is really... So I'm really good at grammar. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at math. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at like talking. They t- I remember they taught like for English, mm-hmm. they would teach you how to like talk to people, which is a good skill to have. Yeah. But like, I'm like, okay, this is, this is super beneficial. Yay. Mm-hmm. Like I remember they would teach you how to like have a phone call conversation and how to like introduce people. So if I had a friend with me like, Hey, this is my friend. So-and-so. Yeah. Like I remember being taught like, that in English class. Really useful skills that I actually think should be taught in school because like it is most of us millennials are phone call i know phone call <laughs> yeah what so no it, it's it's definitely useful absolutely but yeah. in terms of like academically it's just pointless. it isn't yeah so like that's basically it again not really any sciences um not a ton of history i remember in grade eight we learned we had like new history books for some reason and i remember just certain chapters we just skipped over because they really didn't align with like biblical context holy that's yeah. so weird so you could you could read it on your own time. oh yeah oh i did yeah good 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 i'm glad i probably would have too if they're like don't read this part i would have been like okay yeah with like, a flashlight under i know under the covers <laughs> so like i said before school is only kindergarten to grade nine mm-hmm. so what happens after ninth grade because you're so after, pretty young yeah you're around 15 yeah. you graduate from grade nine and then the trajectory is at 16 years old, you join the youth, and then that's kind of your next community. You go from you go from the school community to now you're in the youth community, and then mm-hmm. you do like any youth events. So again, for the weddings, the youth are going to be the ones that are serving it, mm-hmm. and or traveling to it or mm-hmm. whatever. So like it, that's a fairly large community that they just weekly you meet up, and there's like volleyball games and yeah. and all that stuff. So but that kind of becomes like- your new. It's not education. No. 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 So then the women would, you know, maybe get a job at a bakery or a store Mm -hmm. or, you know, just like a very generic kind of job. And the Mm -hmm. men usually go into trades and then just kind of like start from the beginning and work their way up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Something that a lot of different religions do is missionary work. And everybody does it a little bit differently. So we're going to go into what the Mennonites did. And so you guys had two different things. The first one was units. Can you explain units to us? Yeah, so units would be like in larger cities, they would have a, like maybe a middle-aged elderly couple to look after the house. And then they would bring in single people, usually either males or females, only one gender, obviously, to come live in the unit and to then just like volunteer in the city that they're in. And so, Hmm. for instance, they have one in Kelowna. Oh, I had no idea. And they, like, they volunteer at the hospital. Mm-hmm. They maybe volunteer at, I think they're still in Kelowna. They were before COVID, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. And so just, like, out and about in the city helping mm-hmm. out. 
and it'll be like a six month term mm -hmm. and it's primarily yeah so it's going to be housed by like the husband and wife mm -hmm. kind of like the house mom house father kind of yeah. thing and then and then yeah so then like maybe four to five males and or females Hmm. So, yeah. So like I know in Edmonton they volunteer at the the children's hospital. Um, yeah, probably like soup kitchens and homeless shelters and stuff too. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I know yeah. there was one I knew one who went to Montreal for a few months. Wow. And like it's a way to travel, which is nice. Absolutely. And so like yeah. I know he went to Montreal for six months in the unit and like he would spend like every Sunday the, the four boys men male whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> they would go and sing like in the subway station somewhere they would go oh, and sing wow. like hymns yeah and that was kind of like part of their huh. experience oh, that's so. really interesting and so the other type of missionary work was what most people think of when they think of missionary work is going to a third world country or a very yes. poor country and doing work over there so what kind of work would they do while overseas just like reaching out to you know the the population building up a church mm -hmm. and getting it to a point where it's self-sufficient hmm. so like currently actually i have a cousin in the philippines oh, with wow. his he's with his his wife and two young children mm -hmm. and they're working there as youth leaders for like the small church that they founded hmm. and so i guess they're just i think it's like a two to three year term and it's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. You're away from family for a while. Yeah. And then basically they're just, yeah, they're just building it up, bringing in as many people mm -hmm. as they can, you know, converting them, baptizing them, and then having them eventually run it down the road. So, like, I knew of family, families, like, the whole family would relocate to Africa. Holy. And they did that for a few years until... Yeah. Well, this was in like early 2000s, but okay. they, they had to come back. They went to Africa, but they had to come back because they got robbed and I'm pretty sure sexually assaulted. Oh, It's no. not funny, but oh. like it's, I don't actually know it for sure. Yeah. No one actually told me, but then. No, they wouldn't like, talk about no. that kind of thing either if, yeah. it, if that is what happened. But yeah. sometimes when you're older and you're piecing things together, you're like, yeah. I, I'm 99% sure yeah. that this is what So happened. like I remember... Yeah. I mean, I was younger, but I remember this family, and it was a whole family. It was, like, mm -hmm. the husband and wife and, like, maybe four of their kids. Mm -hmm. And then one single girl, mm -hmm. she goes with as teacher to the kids. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure the whole house was, like, raided and, and they were robbed. And yeah. then that single teacher was, was raped. Oh, my god. And gosh. so then they came home. Yeah. And she was married off pretty quickly. Uh, like I remember that and I remember mm -hmm. being like, oh, this is quick. But I didn't correlate it. And then someone said something a couple years ago and I'm like, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, you hear about that kind of stuff, unfortunately, a lot with like missionaries and yeah. stuff because they see you as you have money. You mm -hmm. came from a different country. Oh my gosh, they have money. There's yep. probably stuff we can steal in that house. Yep. And there well, and the is. fact that they're funded completely through the church. Yeah. Like, because these churches are wealthy. They're mm -hmm. so freaking wealthy. You have these men that go into trades. They build up these huge companies yeah. and they just feed it back into the church and back into, you know, the people in their communities. So mm -hmm. like there's a lot of money in those churches. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So on that topic, so most of the Mennonites that I have like personally come encounter with was actually when I worked at Target. When oh, it was really? the thing here. Yeah. They would come in all the time with like eight kids. Mm -hmm. And we had these really cool carts that like had, they looked like, like a race car. Okay. So there was like two spots. Oh, I've never seen them. those. They were yeah. really cute. Yeah. And yeah. then like all the other kids would be in the cart, the mom pushing it around. And then this is the part that I always thought was really interesting was that 
The wife would be, of course, traditional. Mm -hmm. Long sleeves, long dress, yep. clogs, basically. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, hair up in the in the bun with the black cap, like mm -hmm. all of this stuff. But the husband would be wearing nice jeans. Yep. He would be wearing a nice like dress shirt. He would be wearing like not like a Rolex watch, but like you could a tell nice watch. a really nice watch. Yep. He always would have a belt clip with like a modern cell phone on it, mm -hmm. which I know like isn't like really what's supposed to happen, but I guess if they're running these businesses, they need a phone, okay? Mm -hmm. And like sometimes even like a gold chain, like necklace sometimes. Like I'm Ooh. not even, yeah, I'm not kidding you. Interesting. But like they were flaunting oh, yeah. the wealth with the man, oh, yeah. but never never with the yes. woman yeah i remember so many times so with the with the girls with the women they're wearing dresses they're yeah. always homemade yes. and so like my mom made all of my clothes oh wow and amazing like great clothes like i loved i loved new dresses yeah but i remember being so mad as a mm -hmm. kid because we'd go to the store and it's like okay your brothers need new jeans they need new shirts they need yeah. new sweaters and i'm like why the fuck can i get something from the store yeah why does everything have to be sewed Mm -hmm. Like, sure, we're buying fabric. We're spending money on that. Okay, yeah. yay. But, like, I, I... And it was never... And then I'm trying to express that. But at the same time, it's like, well, aren't you grateful for the clothes I'm making? And I'm like, well, yes, I am. But can I not just pick out a new sweater? Yeah. <laughs> but you see your parents spending $200 Exactly. On, and $200 in, like, 2000... Say, the year 2000 on new clothes is, like... A lot. A lot of stuff. Yeah. But, like, of yeah. course, like, you have to put up that image and everything, too. Yeah. I distinctly having a, remember having a lot of anger about that yeah. and just being like, this is not matching up. No. Like, why? No. Yeah. And I was actually telling Chelsea off mic before that I actually worked with a Mennonite woman a few years ago, and she had a Mennonite dress company. <laughs> and basically, I would take photos of the dresses on mannequins and Photoshop out basically as much as the mannequin as I could. They put it on the website. So in that sense, like they were actually able to, you could go on a website and buy a dress, mm -hmm. which was like probably not something many people did, but I looked it up before starting here today and it's still a website that's happening. So obviously yeah. it's successful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that maybe that's like a slight progression they're having is that they're mm -hmm. able to buy their clothes more so, but again, it's not going to be, it's not going to be clothes you're going to buy from Walmart or Target or Winners or something. No. It's not it's, fashionable. No, no, <laughs> not at yeah. all. Actually, we looked at the website together and she was pointing out some prints that were like, that wouldn't have been a thing yeah. that you could have gotten away with when you yeah. were in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just interesting what's like, what's in fashion, what's frowned upon. And mm -hmm. like, this was in like the seventies, but it's just kind of funny. Mm -hmm. So my aunt who is Mennonite, she grew up in Enderby. Mm -hmm. There was a certain dress style that was outlawed because it was too flaunty, too this, too that. Yeah. So she couldn't have it. So she did her dresses a different style. Mm -hmm. And then she moves to Kansas to become a teacher. Oh. And so she's living there. She's 19 years old. She's a teacher in Kansas. And the dress style in Kansas is the one that in Enderby is not appropriate. But suddenly, she, so, so she had to make all new dresses. Because the ones that she brought were not appropriate for Kansas, but they were appropriate for Enderby. And I'm like, like, it's just fucked. And like, this was a while ago. This was in the 70s. Yeah, but so, But it just goes yeah. to show of like, it's it's honestly, it's, there's no validness to like, what's in fashion, what's not, what's appropriate, what's not. It's more just like, it's just weird. It's weird. It is. Absolutely. I guess just every community has their own what's okay and what's yeah. not okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we've talked a little bit about events before we talked about weddings, but we haven't really like gone too, too deep into them and like how weddings even happen. And I guess we're going to start with like, how do singles get together? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, that's why weddings are so popular is because it's basically men and I dating. Um, You, (laughs) I mean, essentially you, you know, you have this big wedding in a congregation that's not your own. So Mm -hmm. you can potentially go meet new people. Um, and so a lot of, that's why a lot of youth are going to prioritize traveling for a wedding because it's just, it's a way to meet new people. And so you meet said person, you meet, you meet John Henry, you're like, "Mm, he's cute. And he's like, "Mm, dang, she's cute. And then, you know, you kind of form this friendship slash courtship. Mm -hmm. Again, this is my understanding from like till 2008. It could be more progressed by now. Yeah. But who I'm gonna, knows I'm gonna deep dive into it myself after. Yeah. It could like, be, it could be cell phone texting now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it makes me think a little bit of of course I don't love talking about them, but the Duggars. I know. They do courtships and yeah. I believe that they were allowed to text, but Jim Bob had to look at all the texts and parents had to look at all the texts. I know, yucky, yucky. I know, you say his name and yeah, I just like go I know. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so then you would meet someone, your interests would be piqued, mm-hmm. and you would maybe try to get to know them. But it's also going to be based on like what you feel God is telling you if that person is going to be your partner. Right. And so then the male is the one that does the proposal. Mm-hmm. So if it's two different congregations, the male is going to go to the pastor of his church and be like, hey, sister... Charlotte from Enderby. I I want her to be my wife, you know. And so then that minister from that congregation is Mm going to go to the minister of the Enderby congregation and be Mm -hmm. like, Brother Frank from this congregation has expressed interest in marrying Sister Charlotte. I mean, I don't know if they're going to say sister and brother. I'm just being a little. And then depending on the age of how old she is, they'll Mm -hmm. either go to the parents or they'll go directly to her. If she's a bit, if she's like 21 or up, they might just go to her. And then they just say someone has expressed a marriage proposal. Mm -hmm. And then she, you know, thinks about it, prays about it, talks with her elders, her family, whatever. Yeah. And then will respond yes or no. Mm -hmm. And then again, it goes through the pastors back to the male. It's so. just like a chain. It's such a chain. It's awful. Yeah. It's so and like if it's if it's in the same congregation, it's mm-hmm. gonna be obviously way more streamlined. Easier. But it's the same process. You go to the pastor, you don't go directly to the girl. There's no you're there's no down on the knee, you know, mm-hmm. romantic thing. No, oh. I know. Hmm. Yeah. Uh so does the woman get a chance to say no if she yes. wants to? Okay. Yes. No, mm-hmm. she can say no, absolutely, mm-hmm. and she can change her mind. Oh. If, she, if the engagement has already been announced and she's mm-hmm. like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. She mm-hmm. can change her mind. Yeah. So like I know of this one couple, he proposed, she said yes. And then she was like, actually, you know what? I'm not ready yet. Mm. So she changed her mind mm-hmm. and then they waited a few years, I think, or at oh. least a year. And yeah. then they did eventually get married. That's like eons and Mennonite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then, but then there are some cases where she completely changes her mind and they don't get married at all. Huh. So. Yeah. And yeah. then is there any like backlash? No. Okay. Not necessarily. Hmm. Again, it's not something that would 100% be talked about, though. Right. Yeah. So if there is backlash, it would be behind closed doors. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And sorry, just going through the notes. So the wedding happens, and there's like 600 people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the bride will move to the groom city? Yes. If they're from different congregations, typically the bride will relocate to wherever the groom is from. Yeah. So my cousin who grew up in Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm. At 18 years old, she married someone from Louisiana. 
Oh my gosh. And moved to Louisiana. And it was heartbreak. It was amazing, yeah. but heartbreaking because this 18 year old mm-hmm. is moving across the freaking country yeah. to marry a man that she's known for literally less than six months. Yeah. And she met him when he came to, like, he came to, well, this is the, the class topic. Yeah. He came to Saskatchewan to, to partake in a two-week class, which is mm-hmm. how you just, you know, two weeks of classes of, like, learning how to be a good husband, learning how to lead the home, how to be strong in your faith. Right. That kind of class. Yeah. So that's how they met. Mm-hmm. And then maybe some courtship. Um, and then, yeah, he proposed. She accepted. Mm-hmm. And then, and then big old wedding in Saskatchewan wow, yeah. and then off to Louisiana yeah. and like, she still lives there. Three, three kids. Holy crap. And like, it seems to be a positive thing, mm-hmm. but like 18 years old, you don't being know married to a man, you don't know that well, you're yeah. away from your family. Like it's fucking terrifying. Yeah, I was just about to say too, between the time of like seeing each other in person and the wedding, mm-hmm. did they see each other? Nope. Not that much. No. Because they're I mean, lucky to see each other again, basically. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, maybe if they had lived closer, absolutely, maybe. Mm-hmm. So the distance could have played a part of that. But yeah, yeah like, no. Like, I remember we went to the wedding. Um, we went like a week before the wedding, just kind of help out. Yeah. And so then, you know, they're obviously spending a lot of time together then. Mm-hmm. But it's around family and there's no like alone time. So it's just like, how well do you know this person? You were just not very trusting well. that this is going to work out. Like, yeah. no, that's terrifying. Oh my gosh. And then, so what is the marriage structure like in a Mennonite relationship? So the marriage structure would be the husband is the head of the home mm-hmm. and the wife is the help meet. Is the phrasing they use. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck it means. Anyhow. <laughs> and so, and the way they've structured it is, so God is the head mm-hmm. of, of the household and yeah. then the husband and then the wife. Right. And that's just kind of the umbrella effect or whatever you okay, want to call it. Okay, okay. And the wife must submit to the husband. Yes. Yeah. So that is something that they really practice and preach. And it even the word submit just... Oh. I know, it makes me cringe. Like, there's a, yeah. passage, there's a passage in the Bible in Ephesians, which is written by Paul. Biblical <laughs> knowledge. Just Bible things. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's part of the passage is, wives submit to your husbands. And then it, it goes on to talk about husbands as well, mm-hmm. but it's always taken out of context in a jokingly way. Like I remember in school, you know, I'm in, I'm in grade like seven or eight mm-hmm. and that happened to be the passage that we were reading that day. And I remember the boys just like laughing and be like, ha ha ha, wives submit to their husbands. And I'm like, this is the men that you're raising. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, maybe that's not what Paul meant in the context, but they're not even looking at the full passage. They're looking at those little words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Chelsea has a medical device that's beeping at us, but <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We were, I was kind of waiting for it. It was like a bomb, like waiting for a bomb to go off. It's just expiring in a few hours. Yeah. It likes to let me know. No worries. Yeah. No worries at all. Yeah. So what's kind of funny is like, obviously as a photographer, I've photographed a lot of weddings. Mm-hmm. You don't hear that in many no. wedding ceremonies anymore. No. And even back when my parents got married in 1987, they did get married in a church and they took out a lot mm-hmm. of different things. And they got married in a Lutheran church. Yep. So Lutherans can be pretty like hardcore sometimes yep. too. Yep. And uh, yeah, they took that out. Yeah. They were reading through like what the vows would be. And they were like, that just isn't, it's not right. 
I had read that Princess Diana, when mm-hmm. she married Prince Charles, she omitted the word obey from her vows. And that was something that she was oh. like, I am not saying that. Yeah. And so that was like, what, 1992, 91, around there? Yeah, she died in... She 19... died in 97. Yeah. So maybe that was like the 80s then, actually. Might have been, um, yeah. But I feel like that, for a lot of like non-Mennonite women, mm-hmm. I feel like that would have been huge. And Absolutely. been like, you know what? I'm not doing that. Yeah. And so. a lot of women probably didn't even really know what they were saying. Yeah. In a traditional sense when putting that into their vows. So yeah. 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 So if you've ever been out and about and you've seen a woman with her hair pulled back tight and a black cap over the braid or a bun, that's a Mennonite woman, and she's, like I said earlier, she's wearing long sleeves likely, there's no ankle showing, there's pantyhose on, all of that kind of stuff that is a traditional Mennonite. Yeah. So can you tell us about these traditions and looks in the community, and like, I guess growing up from like a young, a young girl to adulthood? Yeah. Hard to put into words. Yeah. No, totally. It's okay. Um, traditions would be like, so just the... I mean, again, my perspective is is going to be, you know, 1990 to 2008-ish. And and the female perspective. And so, like, hair in braids, always wearing dresses, you know, being a tomboy, but not too much of a tomboy. Mm -hmm. Learning how to bake and cook and sew. Although I rebelled and I did not learn how to sew, I was like, no. And that was a (laughs) moment of contention with me and my mother. Like, she bought me a sewing machine. And I tried to learn, and I yeah. was like, there's no fucking way I'm learning this. Like, no. I've been a rebel since day one. Yeah. And so, like, those those kind of activities you learn, and then just just being meek and mild and yeah. not speaking your mind and following the path that is set for you. Yeah. And, and not questioning it. Were you taught to speak in, like, a, a soft voice? I mean... To a degree, yes, but, like, I've always been chatterbox, and I've always, you know, so, like, it didn't really sink in, but also, like, I can remember as a child my mother being, like, and this isn't against her, because this is just what she was raised in as well, so Mm -hmm. it's not not trying to paint her as the villain, but, like, I remember my, my mother being, like, can you quiet down, you're embarrassing me. Wow. And I remember just being like, the fuck? Yeah, what does that you know? mean? Yeah. And then I remember also, like, learning how to walk properly. So, like, balancing the books on the head. Really? And walking with heels. Oh, with heels and, like, on, too. Yeah, because oh. at church you're wearing heels. and Right. Oh, and so goodness. that was, I mean, that was a bit of a playfulness. But I remember, like, it was something of, like, okay, we got to learn how to walk, like, yeah. add, like, womanly, you know? Holy, that's yeah. wild. So when you're young, you have long hair. Yes. And then, is it braids all the time, or were you allowed to have your hair out at home? Um, I mean, at home, yeah, you could do, like, a bun or a ponytail, but it's, you know, it's always, like, tied back in a way. Yeah, it's never going to be down. That's too worldly. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) As my hair is currently in a ponytail. (laughs) And then, at what point do you wear the black cap? Like, what does the black cap, like, what's the So, the black cap is from, from the Bible of women... The, it's a passage again in the New Testament of women covering their hair as a sign mm-hmm. of respect to God. Okay. And so that's where that originates from. Mm-hmm. And so you you don't wear the cap until you get baptized. And then when you get baptized, you switch to wearing the cap. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I was 12 and I was baptized. Some people, like, you don't have to be 12. It can be whatever age you choose. Okay. Like 10 or 15 or even 20, whatever. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah, so 12 years old, and then I switched to the cap, which is just like a 
bun-ish hairnet thing mm-hmm. and then the cap on top and then for everyday use it's just the black kind of cap mm-hmm. and then on Sundays you would wear a black veil I didn't know about the veil yes until reading so for, your notes. for yeah for <laughs> church events um like funerals weddings whatever then mm-hmm. the veil is added hmm yeah wow. everyday use just the cap very very interesting yeah. and we talked a little bit about what men wear before as well, and it's just so wild that, like... Yeah. I mean, their only really requirements are, like, maybe plain, like, plain but nice clothes, mm-hmm. and, like, a beard, if they can grow a beard. <laughs> I know I know there was at least two, two men in the church that didn't really have much of a beard, and, right. like, they had to be like, you know what, I can't grow it, stop, like... So they definitely have some trials as well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not as not as much. Yeah. So if they couldn't grow a beard, it was just like clean shaven, just clean shaven, or just like whatever they can grow is gonna be like <laughs> looked after. I don't I don't know beard terminology. No, I, I totally yeah. get that. Yeah. So we live in a world full of technology and media, and back even when you were in this religion, like so much was changing all the time. Yeah, consistently. Yeah, and. The Mennonite community doesn't consume any of that. No. Maybe more so now, but like no TV in the home. Um, Cell phones were limited. But again, that was, we didn't have, cell phones weren't a thing then anyway. Mm -hmm. So just like one landline, you call it a day. (laughs) I definitely got my first cell phone in like 2005 though. So yeah, I think I got mine in 2010. But while you were in the church, it was like, no, no no go. It was, I think... So what I, from what I can remember is youth would not have a cell phone until they started driving on their own. And then they would get a cell phone as a means of like safety, mm-hmm. but it's going to be basic ass cell phone. Oh yeah. And you know, they don't, they're not going to want you to take pictures on the cell phone. I mean, obviously they're, they're going to, Yeah. but they're not going to want them to take, like have it used for like worldly or things. Yeah. It's literally just a cell phone for like, I've stranded in my car, come save me. And then music. No, no music. They only do acapella, mm-hmm. which is actually quite beautiful. If oh, you can listen to yeah. like I, they're the four part harmony that they can sing is phenomenal, and mm-hmm. I do miss it. It is quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. So only acapella, nothing instrumental. Literally, you have the pitch pipe when you you start the note, and then you start the song, and then you've got your soprano, alto, tenor, bass, and wow. everyone just sings along and and in their harmonies. Wow. So that's so wild. Do you remember listening to like? ungodly music oh yeah oh I have the most amazing story so um (laughs) when I was 13 Mm -hmm. I bought the Avril Lavigne uh album her second one under my skin I think it's called yes it was her first one was let go yes okay so the second one under my skin (laughs) I bought it I fucking loved it so I bought the album I bought a cd player and I bought headphones all in one day how did you get I like like... smuggled it into my my room (laughs) and I had it for about a year and I listened that's the only cd I had and I listened to it back to front but like repeatedly Mm -hmm. over and over and over again and I loved it and then my dad found it and he was like you know what Chelsea you probably shouldn't have this Mm -hmm. so then I snapped it and threw it out I kept the cd player but I didn't have any cd then and then at like 14 Mm -hmm. I bought it again Mm -hmm. a second time and I had it for like a week and then the guilt just ate me alive yeah and so then I I presented it to my parents and I'm like I'm sorry so I snapped it a second time Uh. and then we left when I was 15 Mm -hmm. I bought it like 
for my 16th birthday and mm -hmm. I was like, I'm fucking never getting rid of this. I still have it somewhere. Oh, yeah. I don't know where it is. Now I'm not all my music's on Spotify, but like I yeah. that album is my absolute favorite. Yeah. It's just, it's so random. Oh no, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, yeah. Avril's first few albums, I mean, she's still a great artist, but like, her first few albums are whew, phenomenal. They're really, really, yeah. really great. But like her second one, like to me, that's her best. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I agree. I went to, I saw her live. Oh really? Yeah. In like 2000 three or four oh, or something like that. So it was a long time ago. I really ago. want to try seeing her live. Yeah. Like a, highly recommend. Kind of like come back to her. Yeah. I highly recommend. I just love live music in general. Yeah. So I can't imagine being brought up without Yeah. I know. I love it now. Like yeah. my first concert I went to was Queen in 2017. With oh my Adam gosh. Lambert. Yes. Fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I remember just like vibrating on my seat and I went with mm -hmm. my two cousins was who didn't grow up in Vancouver. Yes. Oh, I was at the same concert. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I was like, I was so hyper, yeah. And we went to Denny's afterwards, and I'm just like, ah! Yeah. And I was like, that was amazing. Like, yeah. live music is, is so good, yeah. And I'm like, you're just missing out on so much stuff, and yeah. it's like such good music. Mm -hmm. But it makes so like now my music taste is all over the map, yeah. Like you've got old country, like old country, like yeah. Hank Williams, Don Williams. You've got Queen. You've yeah. got you know, Elton John, and then you mm -hmm. Avril, Pink, Imagine yeah. Dragons. Like, it's all over the That's map. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I love that you've been able to, like, explore that. Oh, so much fun. Part of yourself. It's yeah. So, much so, something that a lot of people don't know, and I actually didn't know until working with the Mennonite Dress Company, is that they don't have photos of themselves. No. And what is the reasoning of this? Do you even know? I think it just has to tie into maybe... Um, being too prideful mm. and like looking on yourself and being like, mm -hmm. oh, I look good. Which yeah. I mean, like, there's a point of being too proud and having that ego. And then there's a point of recognizing, hey, I look good, mm -hmm. you know? And so um, I think I think that's kind of what it ties into. Mm -hmm. And then just, it's just too much of the world, you know? They have right. to stand apart from the world. Right. And yeah. do you have any photos of yourself? I have you? very few photos of myself. Yeah. I have a couple of when I was a baby. I have a couple from when I was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. From like kindergarten to like 15, nothing. Mm -hmm. I think I randomly saw one or two mm -hmm. from like a family reunion, but they're very few and far between. Yeah, which is yeah. sad too. It's really sad. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. And like I remember my mom, so no baby photos. No. The only reason I have baby photos is because I almost died when I was born. So they took oh. a couple photos. But like there's no baby, no baby photos of my brothers. No. And so I remember my mom one time found a photo in a magazine and she was like, Oh, that looks like my brother when he was a baby. And so she oh. kept it. Oh, it's not actually him, but it was just no. like, it looked like him. Yeah. And so she was like, I'm going to take oh, that. That's like, so sad. It, it just really makes, it hurts my heart as being a photographer because I'm just like, I'm at a wedding taking photos of like anything that I can there. Like one yeah. of my favorite parts of weddings is just going around to people know, roaming for like between like if there's other photos being taken or if it's like during a dinner and like people are finishing up and I'm like, do you guys want a photo together? And all these people are like, yeah, like yeah. we hardly see each other, like, yeah. you know, like stuff like that. And they're so important. They really are. Yeah. And there's such emotion tied to them and memories tied to them. Like mm -hmm. it's phenomenal. And it's just so sad that like, if I ever were to lose my memory or something, it's like where all that emotion is gone. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess the last thing with, technology and media is computers. Yes. So this may have changed now that every household has a computer, but mm -hmm. like growing up, one internet wasn't a thing yet. Like I remember we finally got dial up and that was huge. <laughs> and so we 
didn't have a computer for the longest time because we didn't need one for work. And so that was, if you needed it for work, you were kind of allowed to have a computer. Mm -hmm. And so then eventually we got one. And because my dad, yeah, he needed it for his work Mm -hmm. because he worked out of the home. And, but it was like slowest of the slow, which could have just been the time that we were in. (laughs) And if you guys lived out in Enderby, you weren't getting the best. No, it was... (laughs) the slowest dial up mm-hmm. and they would have restrictions on it so like i wasn't allowed to look up youtube videos and i mean mm-hmm. i wouldn't anyway <laughs> but you know you would have been too scared of that lightning bolt coming down i know it's like, like and she yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's that's pretty interesting yeah when i worked with the mennonite dress company she definitely had a cell phone so yeah. i mean and she worked making these dresses well she didn't actually make the dresses she got them made in saskatchewan somewhere but like running the website and everything mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, so I think from 2008 till now, they've definitely mm-hmm. progressed. They're mm-hmm. going to have computers and cell phones and maybe be more with the times, mm-hmm. but not as much as I, I wear an Apple Watch. I really don't think a Mennonite woman is going to have an Apple Watch. No. No. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, um, definitely not something that they would do, but I do think it's good in a lot of ways that they were able to bring some of that new age technology yes. in. Yeah, definitely. No, I agree. And but like I remember it it begs the question of is that why the Enderby Church hasn't had, you know, communion in fifteen years? Is because oh. have they progressed too much for yeah. other people in that same religion to be like, actually no, you're too far advanced or whatever. Hmm. Like it's just interesting. Like I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, it's just kinda of my my curiosity of like, ooh, how far down or how like progressive are they becoming that mm-hmm. like they can't do go to communion? So we've gone through kind of what you have believed in the past and how your Mennonite religion was for you and all of that kind of stuff. So now we're going to move into your own personal experiences. So your family was actually a little different than most, and that's because your dad was first-generation Mennonite. Yes. Yeah. So he joined, well, his mom joined when he was like 14, and so Mm. he just kind of, him and his sister joined together. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, but his childhood was quote unquote normal childhood. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. Until okay. he was 14. Until <laughs> yeah. he was 14. Yeah. You know. And so then, and then met my mom when he, they were like 18, 19-ish. They got married around like 1920. But yeah, so because of that like normalcy of his upbringing, my childhood was a bit more progressive than others in that like he, he did go back to school he became a paramedic. Mm-hmm. He worked in a he worked in residential care. He was a manager of a care home in Vernon. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then eventually worked out of the home doing home share with with a client with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't the normal family in that like we he didn't go into trades because of that not a lot of money, mm-hmm. but like definitely just working a job that not a lot of Mennonites work but also on the flip side my grandfather on my mom's side he also broke the norm a little bit too Hmm. in that he was a doctor he actually did go back to school and became like a regular like family doctor and that was just kind of his rebellious spirit because all his brothers are farmers Mm -hmm. and he was like no I'm gonna do my own thing so like that was also a little frowned upon I was just about to ask like how did that even work like yeah yeah so like on both sides there was there's some rebellion Mm -hmm. you know but primarily it was my dad's side that was like not as Mennonite not as structured and like the Mennonite 
traditions. Mm-hmm. And then occasionally, like, so when he managed at the care home, mm-hmm. I would sometimes go and do night shifts with him, and I would watch cartoons till like three a.m. till yeah. I pass out on the couch. So you got some TV. Time. I did. I yeah. did get TV time. Yeah. And I have some cousins that aren't Mennonite, so like I, who I'm really close to now, as an adult, which mm-hmm. is amazing. But like as a kid, I would go to their house, and on Saturday mornings we'd watch cartoons. Mm-hmm. So there is some, there is some like normalcy in there, mm-hmm. but just in terms of the rest of the world, not mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> and your dad sometimes would treat the family. Yes. So occasionally we'd go to a hotel for like a weekend or an, or a night mm-hmm. and just like in the pool, in the hot tub, watching movies. Mm-hmm. You those have to wear kind of a, like a swimsuit? I know, right? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scandalous. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But that must have been such a nice escape. And it, it really was. And it probably was nice to know where your family stood as well yes definitely it was it was a great escape and it's just good family bonding and mm-hmm. and like it's not like we would go traveling like we would literally go to vernon from enderby spend a night in the hotel <laughs> yeah. order takeout watch a movie mm-hmm. swim till like 11 p.m and mm-hmm. then pass out like like it's very normal but for us it was like oh this is extravagant and you couldn't tell people about not really, that not no. really <laughs> um yeah and so yeah, it was just, it was cool. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. So in the household as a young girl, you, of course, did like the a lot of traditional things. We talked a little bit about like the, the hair and the dresses and seeing your brothers getting all the new clothes and stuff. But like, how were the chores treated in the household between you and your siblings? I mean, I think they were attempted to like even them out, but mm-hmm. they just weren't. Of course not. So just... You know, we didn't have a dishwasher, and I was uh, I was the dishwasher. Yep. You know, and it's just like I remember, like I remember my mom would try to get my brothers to help, and they just they just wouldn't. No. You know, and they would they maybe start off helping, mm-hmm. and then they'd go do their own thing, and I'd have to finish. Mm-hmm. And so then, and it's never they're not going to be like punished for not helping me, but no. it's expected that I finish the task. Yeah, absolutely. You know? so. I even remember, and I've talked to a couple friends that were in this situation with me and my church like we would have like like once a month or so with the youth group we would have like a family dinner so if the family members wanted to come and like have dinner with the youth and then you know everybody would go clean up like it was like one family kind of like what you talked about earlier like one family would be in charge of like figuring out like what the meal was mm-hmm. putting it together if people showed up and they wanted to help while dinner was cooking they could whatever but our church had a gym Ooh which is very cool. However, what happened during cleanup time, all of the girls would end up in the kitchen Mm -hmm. doing all, like literally all of the cleanup. Yep. Every single last little bit from wiping the tables to vacuuming to like mopping the church floor, like not just dishes. It was like a big, it was a big thing. And so this one time, a friend of mine who I'm still friends with now, she was having like a really hard time with school and stuff. And mm-hmm. she just like went out. I think she actually went outside of the church because I remember walking out and following her. And she she started crying and she was like, this is not good in my life. And that's not good in my life. And this is happening and that's happening. And she was going off. And a couple of the other girls, like they noticed what was going on and what happens was what one of your best friends is crying. Like yeah. you you go and you comfort them. One of the, the youth leaders came outside and said, Girls, I think you have to go back in and clean up now. Oh, fuck. I know. I like, know. I just want to slap whatever smug look is off their face. Yep. Okay, I'm not a violent person. But no, I, I know. It's just like... I know. Yep. And 
then the girl that was having a hard time said, why can't the boys do it? And there was no answer. There yeah. was no, no like good answer. It was just like, well, they did, 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 did. And it's like, no, the boys can clean up. Yeah. The boys can clean up. And it, I, I think back to like other times too, where there were like fundraisers we were doing mm-hmm. and like we did like this apple pie one. I mean, a lot of schools do this one too, yeah. where you set up in the gym and you do, you make apple pies. Like yep. that's all you do. And there's people in the kitchen peeling apples. The yep. next person is cutting them. The next person's doing the, the sugar, all of that stuff. What were the boys doing? They were just fucking around the entire time. Yeah. yeah. No, like I remember like, again, with my dad being first generation, mm-hmm. like I know he, he definitely cooked a lot more in the kitchen. He yeah. definitely was more involved than mm-hmm. other like traditional Mennonite families that I witnessed. Mm-hmm. And any my brothers are more involved now than than other you know yeah but like on the norm yeah it was just it's just assumed that mm-hmm. i go into the kitchen i make dinner i wash the dishes blah 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 i do the cleanups and um yeah it's just so mm-hmm. fucking annoying and just like yeah why and i'm not saying like don't give kids chores but like follow through with them if yes. you tell your son or your whoever to clean their room don't just cave and clean the room for them you know like that kind of stuff that's that's not what i'm saying but yeah it's just the letting young boys especially and even older ones and i hate to bring up the duggars again if you watch that show oh my god it is (laughs) let us know (laughs) yeah i um was telling chelsea i listened to this wonderful podcast called digging up the duggars and the hosts do a really wonderful job of pointing out all of these things yeah. that the boys in that family did shit all yeah, all the time and these poor girls are just like they're fucking slaves they are they're doing so much and yeah. i mean if you don't know too much about them i mean it's 20 kids like 21 21 20, something like 21, that and the oldest daughter she's never been in a courtship or anything no. she's just stayed at home she's in her 30s and she just stays at home and looks she, after all of the younger kids and the youngest kid now is 13 years old so there's yeah. really no reason as to why these parents can't look after their own kids oh anyways it's, heartbreaking. it's, it's really really it's, really sad it's yeah. so sad yeah. i hate how there's this assumed you know i have a daughter she's gonna help out Mm-hmm. Like, I remember hearing back, this is years ago, I remember someone, like, a newly married, or newly pregnant couple, mm-hmm. and they were like, I hope it's a girl, because then she can help out. I remember yeah. being like, why? Yeah. Like, like I mean, yes, it's great. If she wants to help out, that's phenomenal. That's mm-hmm. amazing. But she should still have a childhood. Absolutely. It shouldn't be this assumed, sorry, this, I will rant on this. Oh, it's fine. Because yeah. I see it now <laughs> in families that I know. Mm-hmm. I don't want to... Yeah, yeah. We're not putting names out. Yeah. Um, but I see it now and I it just it makes me so riled up because mm-hmm. I'm just like like that's great if, if she truly wants to do that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But if this is something that is instilled in her of like I need to help out because I'm the oldest daughter, blah yeah. blah blah, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. And that pisses me the fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have some family that they had multiple kids. Not like tons, but like, you know, like three, four, five kids. Mm-hmm. And the one family, if they would have had a daughter, they had all sons, 
if they would have had a daughter, that poor girl yeah. would have just yeah. been yeah. a slave. It's not yeah. to say that the young boys aren't going to help out. Because they, yeah. they are to an extent. Mm-hmm. But they are going to goof off more than the girls are. And that's mm-hmm. going to be okay. Because they're boys. Boys yeah. will be boys. Go yeah. goof off. And it's just like, no, girl help in the kitchen. Blah, blah, blah. blah you know, yeah. with the girls. And, and they'll do just, it because they don't want to get yeah. in shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and... <laughs> It's, it, ugh, I could go on and on about it. <laughs> oh, we could talk about it another time. I'm sure there's other people in our brand ambassadors that would probably talk about it too. Yeah. But yeah, moving on a little bit here. So as you've mentioned, you were baptized at 12 and yes. that's when you got your head covering and all of that kind of stuff. So you had to go to the, was it the pastor or preacher? Yeah. yeah. So when I was like 11-ish mm-hmm. is when like my conversion experience mm-hmm. or where I like personally, it's like, I don't know how they word it now, but mm-hmm. it's like how you, when you personally accept Jesus as your savior and mm-hmm. then you want to like live your life following his beliefs. Yeah. And, and yeah. Anyhow, so then I, I had like my conversion experience and then we told at a church service, you know, my dad tells the pastor, like, hey, Chelsea, Chelsea had her experience, you know, she's, you know, still figuring this out, but she would like to be baptized soon. Mm -hmm. And so then that kind of starts that conversation. And then, you know, we had dinner at the the pastor's house. And then I tell him in front Mm -hmm. of everyone, like Mm -hmm. the pastor and his wife, and then my parents and my two older brothers. And so then I just kind of tell them it. Such a big to do yeah and so then you know we're sitting there like it's informal and it's Mm -hmm. just like the two are two families together Mm -hmm. but i have to tell him my conversion experience and he's like okay he's like okay well we'll have a sit down with Mm -hmm. you know the pat the other pastor and so then sure enough then it's me and my parents and the two deacons and the two pastors. And then we're just in like a room in the church. And mm-hmm. again, I'm repeating it. of Like, this is my conversion experience. This is what I want to, I want this for my life. Mm-hmm. And so then like, okay, we will, we will schedule, you know, when, cause then I have to then tell the whole church. <laughs> and so then, you know, so then they find a good time and they schedule a, a church service where I go up and I tell my church, my conversion experience to the whole church. And then they vote on whether or not I should be baptized or not because I've personally accepted Jesus as my savior. See, and that's the thing that's like super fucked up to me is that like other people decide for you. Yep. Yeah. Even though you've decided you want this. Yep. They have to decide for you. Yep. So they vote whether or not it's a valid conversion experience. Yeah. And then they vote yes. And so then they schedule the baptismal Sunday, you know, a couple weeks down the road. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. That's what happened. So something that your dad kind of started noticing when you were, you know, after your baptism and everything was indoctrination. Yes. Mm-hmm. So again, because first generation in our family, our family was very, worked a lot in healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so that was always something super important to me and I loved it. And I still do. And I still am in a version of healthcare. Mm-hmm. I remember him one time taking me out we he would always go we, wow english <laughs> we would always go out for uh like lunch dates mm-hmm. and so he took me out to this restaurant and he was like tell like what do you want to be when you grow up mm-hmm. previously my answer would always be i want to be a nurse yeah and then this time i was just like i want to get married and have children and like i just remember he got so angry mm-hmm. and i remember being like oh shit like what have I done wrong? This is what I'm supposed to want. Yeah. And I remember him being so angry and being mm-hmm. like, no, like you've wanted to be a nurse. Why, why do you not want to be a nurse? Mm-hmm. And I didn't have an answer for him. I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Is this not what you want for me? Mm-hmm. Like, 
this is what you've been taught. Yeah. For a long and I time. think for him, that was a light bulb moment of like, oh shit, this is the life my daughter is going to lead. Mm-hmm. And this is, and so then that kind of started that just like, I know. And I think I was like 14 and like we left when I was 15. Yeah. So I really think that that was like the pivotal moment for him of mm-hmm. like, I'm, I want her out because yeah. my brothers at that point had kind of left already. Like mm-hmm. they both left at 16. What's the age difference between two, you? two and two. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So they had both kind of left and it was literally just me and my parents that were still kind of active in the church. Mm-hmm. And so I think for him, it was more like if we, if I don't choose to leave, then she's stuck in this and then she will lead the life of that. My mom had led, which at that point, like, you know, he started to recognize the downfalls that it led with my mom. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, I don't want this for my daughter. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah. you mentioned you left like very shortly after that because of your dad yeah. seeing all this stuff and everything. And what, what did you do <laughs> after you left? Like, cause I, like after? I can only imagine that like you go from like one thing. It was so, yeah. So hard. It was so weird. Yeah. Like I remember, so leading up to it, I remember, again, my dad taking me out for dinner. Like, mm-hmm. it took a while for us to get to that point of, like, we're leaving. Mm-hmm. It took a while to convince my mom. Because, yes. again, she is, like, fourth, fifth generation Mennonite versus he's first. Yeah. So it took a while for her to actually be like, okay, I'm going to leave. Mm-hmm. And so then we literally had to pick a day. Like, it really? wasn't a huge change for dad. But yeah. for me and mom, it's, like, a complete wardrobe change, mm-hmm. complete hair change. Yeah. Like, it's so much more intense for the females than it is for the males. And so we literally... I remember calling my friend up, and and, and she had known that we were, like, on the cusp of leaving. But then I was like, no, like, like we're leaving. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had to essentially... It's a friendship breakup, basically, yeah, over the so phone. Sad. You know, yeah. we're both 15. Yeah. And it was just like... And like she cried over the phone and, and I cried and I, it was just, it was very sad. Mm-hmm. And then we, we picked a day mm-hmm. and then it was just like, this is the day. So me and my mom went to Value Village. We got new clothes. We got like, I didn't go straight to jeans. Like I started yeah. off with like skirts yeah. and tops and sweaters. Did you still wear pantyhose? No. Good. <laughs> I mean, if I was maybe like once or twice, yeah. but more so as like to keep warm okay, and no fair. longer yeah. for like dresses. <laughs> And I kept a few of my dresses that I loved mm-hmm. for a few years. I kept them. And then I think around like 17, I finally got rid of all of my Mennonite dresses. Yeah. So yeah, we left August of when I was 15 mm-hmm. in the, the month of August. And then just kind of like, we we still stayed within a church setting. So like mm-hmm. we started attending the evangelical church in Salmon Arm mm-hmm. because that was associated with the Christian school that my brother was going to, that I was going to try to get into. So still very much in Christian circles, but now like a lot more open and a lot more just like, oh, I can wear jeans. Oh, I can. I can get my ears pierced. Like yeah. I finally got my ears pierced at 16 just before my, my oldest brother's wedding. Yeah. Cause I wanted earrings for his wedding. Like, yeah. Like, you know, it was probably such a freeing experience too. It, it really was. And yeah. it was really like me and my mom really bonded a lot then because we were experiencing together these things for the yeah. first time. Yeah. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And then just figuring out wardrobe, figuring out what I liked, what I didn't like. Yeah. And then with the body that's like changing from 16 to 18 and just like, it's everything. A lot. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> so, going on. Yeah. But like I remember so in September I was going to this online school but like it was in a classroom setting but like you're self-paced. Yeah. And so for the first week I was wearing the head covering. Mm. So the first and then the second week I didn't. And it took a week for someone to ask me. <laughs> it was hilarious. 
finally the teacher was like, I gotta ask. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we used to be part of this and now we're not. He's like, okay. And then it was, it was just really funny. Yeah. But I didn't know how to style my hair. I still really don't, to be honest. My hair is very thick and mm-hmm. curly. Not like super curly, but like frizzy curly. Yeah. I don't know how to, how to style it. I, f- yeah. It, we it, it's we get a lot of those skills when we're young. I know. Yeah. I didn't have any of them. Or, I mean, I remember because I grew up figure skating, like my aunt curling my hair. Yeah. Like, like I have no idea how to curl my hair. Yeah. Like for our first I photo shoot. I was just going to say, yeah. Like the first brand ambassador photo shoot, I went and spent $80 for a blowout because I was like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, probably would have done the same thing if I really didn't yeah. know. But, but yeah. like my, I'll never forget my first haircut. Like my first like actual like worldly Ooh. haircut. Yeah. So like I went from like hair down to like here, probably the same yeah. length it is now and very thick, mm-hmm. very unruly. And I did an, an inverted bob. So like here, Ooh, that like, is a power it move. was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. There was so much hair on the floor. She had to pause and she like took a picture of it. She was like, oh my God. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It was hilarious. And I got like, everyone turned heads. They were like, holy shit, that's Chelsea. And I'm like, that's yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. <laughs> The no. new Chelsea. No. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So the, it was online schooling, right? For the, yeah. That I started. Yeah. I, I didn't, I dropped out in a few months. It was just yeah. too hard to do the self-paced. I didn't have the, mm-hmm. the educational background to yeah. sustain it. So you did actually get into the Christian school though. I did. Yeah. Like I had tried. So we left when I was 15 and that September we tried, I tried to get in, but mm-hmm. the classroom was full. Oh, so that's okay. why I did the online one. Mm-hmm. And then the next year's classroom had space for me. So then I had to basically redo parts of my grade 10. So Mm -hmm. I graduated high school at 19. I was the oldest in the class. I was just going to ask if it was like a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a bit delayed. I honestly, it was a horrible experience because I didn't have a lot of friends Mm -hmm. and my, I love my brother. I I love my, my brother. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. He, everyone flocks to him Mm. because he's cool and he's hip and he, he was a bit older as well and so everyone was like oh he's like amazing so when they realized i was his younger sister i had all these girls like oh you're his sister like i want to be friends with you and i'm like thanks it's not really a reason to be friends with someone just because they're a relative yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so that was just kind of like navigating that Mm -hmm. um it was interesting and then when i turned 19 in grade 12 they're like oh chelsea buy us alcohol i'm like okay so like i'm friends with you when you when i'm because of my brother and now you're friends with me because I can buy you alcohol. This is yep. great. Like mm-hmm. it was just horrible. It was absolutely horrible. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. But you graduated. I graduated barely. Yeah. <laughs> like that's I mean okay. literally barely. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. You know what? You still you still did the thing. <laughs> it's important. If you didn't do that, you wouldn't have much education at all. No. Because no. your education was so stunted in the yeah. Mennonite school. Yeah. So yeah. So was it after you graduated or around that time that your parents ended up separating? They separated when I was in grade 11. Okay. Yeah. So that's a whole other thing to like add in there as yes. well is that your parents are going through a separation yes. and they also went off to do their own thing spiritually. So like what did they end up doing? So at the time, like my mom completely walked away from religion. Really? And she, she at one point like threw away her Bible. Wow. And like... A, like for me at that, when I found that out at that stage that I was in, I was mm-hmm. like, that's blasphemous. She's going to go to hell. Like yeah. I was terrified for her. And so it was very, there was so much of a dynamic of the, just the religious aspect of just 
because I grew up so structured to suddenly yeah. not have any structure. The my person brain, that brought that structure into your life yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Like my brain just couldn't handle it. And it honestly, that's my daily struggle is balancing the structure that I grew up with to just navigating life as I see fit now is it's such a challenge yeah 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 wow that's that's a lot so yeah you just didn't really know what to believe in at that point no like I really I still identified and I still do Mm -hmm. identified as like Christian and or I think I'm getting ahead of myself but (laughs) um but yeah so like still within Christian circles Mm -hmm. and that was still a very like common theme of my life Mm -hmm. and yeah so they they just kind of went and did their own thing Mm -hmm. Somewhat within Christian circles, but also just doing their own thing. And you were left to kind of figure out your own. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, just kind of left to be like, what do I want? What do I see fit for me? But not really knowing Mm -hmm. because I don't have any experience. So it's like, how do I choose what I want to do? So you stayed with the evangelical church. Yes. And you did actually get baptized again too. I did. So then I, like, I kind of... There's a there's about a five year gap where like I was within Christian circles but I wasn't like committed. Yeah. And then in about like twenty seventeen twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. I then joined at this top point I'm living in Vernon. Mm-hmm. So then I did join a church in Vernon, very similar to the evangelical one. I don't know, I can't remember what their denom. There's so many denom- denominations. It, it's a lot. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if they're exactly evangelical, but very very similar. Mm-hmm. And so I joined that in like twenty eighteen, and mm-hmm. then. I, because I craved that structure because it's what I was grown up in. Mm-hmm. I just embraced it and I made it, it my own again. Yeah. And to the same extent as, as Mennonite, just different denomination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. So you got really involved with this church too. I did. Yes. Yeah. I was youth leader. I sang on the worship team. <laughs> Not that well. <laughs> um, because again, going up, going up acapella and then suddenly having to follow the beat of a piano. I was like, oh, yeah. I have no rhythm. Like I, I can't dance. Like I have no internal rhythm because I'm not used to like yeah. piano or like music, instrumental music is mm-hmm. foreign to me. Like I love it, but like yeah. I can't follow along with it. Huh. I, it's, I like these are things that like I would have never thought about yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. So like when I would sing on the worship team and I told the, the singers this, I was like, can I just harmonize? Like, can I just sing along and harmonize? Like, don't have me lead. Can just I just have the last me follow word? Along. Yeah. The last word of yeah. every sentence. I'll just like, ah. yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. So that's kind of what I would do. I would just like find where I, I fit in mm-hmm. instead of having to like lead the song because that was fucking terrifying. Yeah. And you were enjoying this. I was. Yeah. No, it really was a pivotal moment of my life Mm -hmm. of finding spirituality and finding religion for me Mm -hmm. and choosing it for me so I don't regret it at all Mm -hmm. like it was amazing it was it was a huge moment of of seeing like I do want to have this spiritual aspect in my life that I'm choosing that no one is choosing for me that I am saying like I'm not going to it's not based out of fear Mm -hmm. it's not based out of me wanting to please someone, maybe it, I mean, maybe subconsciously a little bit, but mm-hmm. overall it was my choice. And so like, I loved that part of it. And then obviously the community that comes with it. And then just some of that structure mm-hmm. is just like, again, when you are in that for so long to then not be in it, it's so hard to find your way. Mm-hmm. And like, you almost just like excuse some of the toxicities because what the positives that are offered Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that they're like yeah over yeah Yeah. Uh, it's all over the map yep (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's definitely a lot but yeah 
you were happy to have that back into your life. I really was. I yeah. really was. And, um, like, looking back now, I can see things that I excused, that I ignored, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I just kept ignoring because overall I was happy. And so I just, those weren't, uh, those weren't big enough for me to, like, disrupt the rhythm. Mm-hmm. In 2021, a huge tragedy struck your family. Can you tell us about this? Yeah, my dad took his own life in December of 2021. It, in a very traumatic way, trigger warning from the beginning of the video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, some words. Yeah, he went to a local park and he harmed himself and then he was found and he passed away four days later. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, horribly, horribly tragic. And... Very, yeah, very tragic, very public, very... Uh, it was, uh, <laughs> this is where I struggle okay. yep. because part of me just wants to blurt it out. And part of me is like, I don't want to share that. I don't want to be dark and heavy, mm-hmm. but he lit himself on fire at a local park. And so then because of how intense the act was, it had to be determined whether or not it was intentional or criminal and they didn't know. So they had to look into it. So it was very public all mm-hmm. over the newspapers, all over Facebook feeds, mm-hmm. Uh, a YouTube video that that went viral. Well, it didn't go viral, but like a YouTube video people that was posted. It. People saw it. Yeah. People like my own brother watched it, which I I yeah. And so it's been taken down now, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So with the investigation and everything, it was after he passed away. Yes. Yeah. And you yeah. had to go to the police station and. Yeah. So he passed away December twenty sixth, and then like. They, December 22nd is when he, he did what he did. And so then the 23rd to the 26th, you know, we're in communication with the police and they're trying to figure out whether or not it was intentional or criminal. And at this point they were leaning towards intentional, which I believed as well, mm-hmm. but they were just going to kind of wait and see until he recovered. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't recover. So then he passed away December 26th. And so then it switched to, okay, now we have to investigate this as a potential homicide just to make sure. And so they did. They checked, you know, video feeds of the hotel he was staying at and video feeds Polson Park. And they they looked at history with his mental health and with his friends and, and ultimately determined that he did do it to himself, which... I, I had kind of known from the get-go just based on my history with my dad and mm-hmm. how well I knew him and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so were the people of the church you were in and like that group, were they there for you during that time? They were, yeah. but also because this is such... A, mental health in church settings is hard to navigate mm-hmm. because a lot of... And I've, I'm like, I've done this as well in that I'll be like, oh, it's okay, I have Jesus, so my mental health is fine. And that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and it took, you know, now I can see that. But mm-hmm. like when I was in it, I was like, it's fine. Jesus will save me. And so it's really hard to navigate mental health when a lot of people have this perception of like, just turn to Jesus. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. It's like, actually, no, it's not okay. Like, You're talking to air. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like in a, you know, and so it was very hard to navigate that. And like, yes, they were supportive, but they mm-hmm. also don't understand it. Yeah. And they don't understand the level of just tragedy that just fucking hits you like Mm -hmm. a ton of bricks. People probably said they'll pray for you too, Mm -hmm. which again, I hate to say it. it. I hate it so much. And I've talked to a lot of people about this, but like 
people will say, oh, I'll pray for you. How about we go out for lunch and yeah. we talk about what happened? If yeah. like, if I'm good enough to pray for like, why can't we just like talk and yeah. why can't I confide in you yeah. and help yeah. me instead of just masking it with prayer? Yeah. I had a few people reach out that mm-hmm. like I wasn't very close with and, yeah. and, and they, they actually took me out for lunch and I was mm-hmm. very appreciative of that because yeah. we weren't like these best friends that hung out, but mm-hmm. they recognized that like, this is how I can you support her. You needed someone. Yeah. yeah. And so that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean like we're, we're social media friends now and that's great, but like, we're not like besties, but in, in that time they were like, you know what? She needs that. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I remember just, again, when you tie in religion with suicide, it's so fucked because how I grew up growing up Mennonite, someone commits suicide. That is a one way ticket to hell. Absolutely. And that is just how it's explained. I think that's how it is in like most religions. Yeah. Cause yeah. basically you're just. You're giving up. Giving, yeah, you're giving mm-hmm. up. And so that was just something that I really wrestled with for the first few, first few days. Mm-hmm. I was in literal hell because I was imagining him in hell. Mm-hmm. Already, even with the painful death he went through, and I'm envisioning it even more so on top of that, like I was yeah. literally in just agony. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, something just clicked for me in that it was like, if I'm choosing to believe that Jesus is good... And he loves his people, which is what I've been taught. Mm -hmm. Then how in the world would he turn away from someone in their most, like most time of need? Mm -hmm. How would he be like, actually, you're on your own. Sorry. Like, there's no way. Like, there's just no way. Like, based on, on, on how they taught me in their religion Mm -hmm. to then be like, actually, you know, you're on your own. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute. It's so fucked up. Yeah. It's so fucked up. Yeah. 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 So coming, coming to that conclusion really just. Got me out of that little bit there. Mm-hmm. I need to no, that's okay. <laughs> and so you ended up like stepping away from the church you were I did. involved with. Yeah, I did. I um so December to March, honestly, is a bit of a blur because we're planning. You know, we're dealing dealing with the investigation of his death, mm-hmm. and then planning his his memorial service, mm-hmm. and. Like I'm, I ended up doing most of it. Like I love my brothers, but they have their own families. They have their own lives. So inevitably it falls to me. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily their fault, but it falls to me. So I planned everything. I, I dealt with the funeral home. I dealt with the police investigation. I, I, I picked up the urn Yeah. from the fucking shopper's drug, Martin Vernon. <laughs> I did not know it could yeah, do no. that. So they, cause he passed in Vancouver. So then he went to they a had funeral. To ship it. They had yeah. to ship him. Oh my God. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's not laughing. It's not a little funny. It's a little funny. It's a little funny, but it just like, I did everything like, so yes. and I, I literally, I had a breakdown in my car because I here, he's in a box mm-hmm. and he's in my car and I see belted him in. <laughs> Buckle up for safety, Dad. It's yeah. not funny, but it's a little funny. Yep. And I just remember sitting there in my car and being like, okay. Yep. And I tried to reach out. Like, I remember I I called. Me and my mom's relationship has been up and down. Mm-hmm. So I instinctively called my brother. He didn't answer. That's normal. Yeah. That's not, you know. But still, I was like, I need you in this moment. He did not answer. I called my other brother. He also did not answer. So then I finally called my mom. And she did answer. And she sees the urn in Mm -hmm. the box. She knows what it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm calling her because I needed support. 
and she fucking broke down over the phone. So then I ended up supporting her. And I just remember in that moment, Mm -hmm. I just shut off. Like, I remember just completely shutting off because I'm like, okay, there is literally no one here in this moment that's going to help you. Just shut fucking down Mm -hmm. and get her through this on the phone call and then go do what you have to do. And so I just, I just. And I can understand if she hadn't really gone through her own sense of of that as well. I I totally get it. She was still married to him for a long time. She had three kids with him, like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it's so hard when. Yeah. No, you reached yeah. out to her for support and then she yeah. was like, oh. Like. Yeah. And no, and again, it's nothing, it's not her fault. No. It's just that in that moment, mm-hmm. there was literally no one there that I could turn to to help no. me. No. No. Yeah. It's unfair. No. It's very unfair. So before you took a step away from the church, you were still leading the youth group and probably yeah. using that to like mask and stuff. And oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. it was complete mask. Yeah. I, there was a couple things that started to happen where I started to be like, oh. I don't know how I feel about this, Mm -hmm. but like up until then I had been masking it. And also I was getting used to just shutting off and shutting Mm -hmm. down and just hiding it. And so like we actually, unfortunately had another youth leader. Mm -hmm. His father also committed suicide, like maybe two, three months after less than that actually. And I don't know. I don't don't remember time frame, Mm -hmm. but I remember that particular youth leader he asked to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, oh, you can do that? Like, I thought I still had to show up. I thought I still yeah. had to be he here and be support and serve. Yeah. I didn't realize I could take a step away. And mm-hmm. I remember being mad that I hadn't even thought to ask that. Yeah. But, like, it was just kind of, like, expected that I'd be there. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, in terms of the church service and, like, being on the worship team, which, again, I loved. And it definitely helped me get through certain things. But, like, I remember... We had his memorial service in March on a Saturday, mm-hmm. and they had asked me. They're like, "I know it might be might be hard, but like, can you be on the worship team on that Sunday?" And I remember, and I remember being like, "Well, I mean, yes, but like, Saturday is going to be a full day, so like, I don't know." Mm-hmm. But part of me is like, "Why the fuck would they even ask?" Because I'm this people pleaser, mm-hmm. this recovering people pleaser based in this very structured religion. Why are they even asking me something they know that I'm going to have a hard time saying no to? And so mm-hmm. I didn't say no. Yeah. So I did. So I went early Sunday morning after a whole funeral service on mm-hmm. Saturday where I'm literally forcing myself to shut down. That's another thing I did. I pre like I did the whole sermon on that. Oh my god. Oh yeah, I did wow. everything. Yeah. I I wrote up my brothers both have social anxiety and they were going through their own things and that's yeah. fine. But like there was no one mm-hmm. to like have like a sermon Mm -hmm. so i i i wrote the obituary Mm -hmm. i read the obituary i did a mini sermon my uncle spoke as well but like i did most of it Mm -hmm. you know what they said though this is off topic Mm. they're like oh chelsea you're an amazing mc and i'm I'm like bitch i said the fucking sermon i am not the mc that is not an mc i like led the whole thing I remember being so livid. It's totally off topic. If it was a man, they would have been like, oh my God, you exactly. did such a good job preaching. But I know. Because you're a woman, it's... It's like, she did such a great job emceeing. I'm yeah. like, I did the whole thing. Yeah. For your own fucking dad. Yes. That's what makes me more mad about it. I know. Yeah. I know. So, like, and I'm not trying to, like, paint a bad picture of people in my family that didn't mm-hmm. step up. Like, they have their own things they're going through and they have their own families. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's maddening. It's so maddening how 
it's just expected that I deal with it because yeah. I was the closest to him because I'm single. I don't have kids. I don't mm-hmm. have other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So I deal with all the shit. Oh, yeah. I'm getting a little riled up. We'll calm it's down. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah. there was a, I guess, was it like a field trip? Kind of yeah. Thing? So yeah. this was in like May ish. Mm-hmm. At this point I had decided I was leaving. I just hadn't actually done it yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe this was earlier. This was earlier mm-hmm. than May. This was like, it's hard to leave that kind of thing too, especially if you're attached to yes. the kids and all yeah, of that. This, yeah. yeah. So this was after his service. His service was end of March. And mm-hmm. I distinctly remember leading up to his service. I just felt myself falling apart inside, mm-hmm. but I forced to stay together. Mm-hmm. I forced myself to get through it and I forced myself to just, just get through. Mm-hmm. And so then we had his service. His service was March 26th. Mm-hmm. And then there was this thing with the youth where we were doing like a spring cleanup. The snow had thawed, you know, so we're walking around town doing cleanup. A lot of them do that kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. and that's great. It it was great. And so we initially, we started off at this family's house to do some yard work. Mm -hmm. And then the pastor's like, okay, now we're going to go to this park. And I just had this instinctual panic because that is the park where he did what he did. Mm -hmm. And, but I couldn't, I tried to get his attention to be like, hey, like, I'm sorry, I can't. But like... There's 20 youth. There's, yeah. I, I, it's not happening. And then you, I hate to say it too, but like if someone ducks out of something, then it's like, where did Chelsea go? Exactly. Why is Chelsea not here? I know. I know. Chelsea, Chelsea, I know. where'd she go? Huh? Huh? <laughs> and so then I, when I realized that I was just going to have to go there, mm-hmm. I went to my car. I like, I could feel the panic just bubbling up mm-hmm. and I started like the heavy breathing, the saw, like the, the, panic the instant starting. crying. Yeah. And I just... So I went to my car, went alone, and I just sat, stood there, and I just let myself process for a bit, let it kind of come out, mm-hmm. and then I just stepped it back down, and then loaded up my car full of youth, mm-hmm. went to that park, and it was the opposite side of the park, but that did not fucking matter. matter. That does not fucking matter. It's still the same place. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, and the one of the, one girl noticed, one youth girl noticed, and mm-hmm. she was like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I'm fine." Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "But I'm still like doing, you know, when you're nauseated, you do like the." So yeah. I'm doing that the whole car ride, trying mm-hmm. to just regulate my nervous system. And you have system. these kids probably just like yelling in the back. Yeah, seat, like... I, there's like four kids, four or five kids, and my mm-hmm. car's my car, old car, was a stick shift. So like, there's like so oh much going God. on. Yeah, and I'm just trying to like not. You're car panicking. Crash. I was just gonna say you're panicking while shifting gears, like yeah. try not to crash the car with all of these kids that like these parents have entrusted you with. Yeah, like, and like <sighs> you know, and so. And she, she noticed, she asked me a few times. And so then finally I, I just told her, I was like, oh, this is, this is the park where this happened. And she's like, oh, oh, she's like, I'm so sorry. And then I felt so bad for telling her mm-hmm. because she's a youth. She does not need to take on my panic no. and she handled it very well. And yeah. I'm like, like, she's an amazing young woman, mm-hmm. but like as a youth leader, I instinctively felt guilty for bringing her into that. Mm-hmm. So then you have that part of it as well. You have my panic, my guilt, my fear. All of it just coming to the surface and I don't can't fucking deal with it. Um, so I got through. Like I I, I did what I did. Mm-hmm. I, I shut down, stuffed it down, mm-hmm. got through. You know, and then, you know, mask up and everything and go back to like my chatterbox self to mm-hmm. just kind of get through the day. Yeah. So how soon after did you walk away? I mean you said <sighs> with, you already yeah. had like decided. But... I had more or less decided, but that was honestly the the huge pivotal thing. It was mm-hmm. just like I can't keep faking this. Like, and I remember calling my mom and just being like, I feel like I'm drowning. Mm -hmm. Like, no one gets it. Mm -hmm. No one understands how deep this trauma is. And no one just, no one's in it with me. Like, I'm literally alone in this. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, like, like, yes, I have my mom. Yes. But like, it's just, 
our relationship is interesting in that like I am a how do I word this take on more of a role than I have to but mm-hmm. I've kind of had to before so it's hard to drop that you know mm-hmm. and so it was Easter Sunday actually mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it was Easter Sunday at this point I was already working in Kelowna because I figured, okay, if I get a job there, I can I can move. It's fine. Like, oh, and they won't, like... Yeah, because then they were like, okay, she's moving for a job. She's not moving yeah. to, like, leave the church. Yeah. So I got a job in Kelowna, and I was I was commuting. I commuted for a month. Mm-hmm. So, and it's interesting, at the time, like, I fast-tracked it. Mm-hmm. So his service was March 26th. I started my new job April 12th. Oh, wow. Yep. So I commuted... Two weeks. Yeah. yeah. And I, I commuted for a while. And then I was still going to church and I was still kind of like trying to hold on. And then Easter Sunday and, and also like I was, there was this young girl I I was picking up and driving to church Mm. services with me. Mm -hmm. And so I I picked her up, we went to church and I remember sitting in the chair for the worship part, for the singing. Mm -hmm. And I remember just like looking around at the people around me and like, I'm worshiping alongside with people who think that my dad is in hell. Like I remember having that thought of like, I do not believe this. Mm-hmm. I believe something completely different than they believe. And I'm still worshiping with them. Why the fuck am I here? Mm-hmm. And I just remember like having these thoughts. And I just... But I stayed. Like I got myself through the worship. And then they went up to do like announcements. And then, you know, you go to the sermon. The second they go up for announcements, I'm like, no. Like I was just... I was just literally just a flip switch. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. You're checked out. Yeah. Completely. So then I, I just... I walked out. And I, I remember like pulling up to these people. I'm like, hey, can you give her a ride home? I'm not feeling well. I got to go. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, yep. And I'm like, and I just left. I've literally never been back to that church. And it's been over a year, almost almost two yeah. now. And I've never been like, and I just, I just walked away. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 I still had some youth commitments. So I, I stuck around for those. Mm-hmm. And so around June-ish and middle of June, those commitments ended. And then, and then I was, I was mm-hmm. done. And, like, I haven't seen – I'm still friends with some of them on Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram. But a lot of them have started to drop away now mm. because I've made no motion of coming back. Yeah. Did any reach out to you? Not right away. Mm. And that also made me angry as well yeah. because they reached out when I started being pro-LGBT. So mm. that's when a lot of them started to reach out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, do you actually care how I'm doing yeah. post-everything? Or are you just – Chelsea's supportive of something that she shouldn't be supportive of. Let's reach out. Mm-hmm. So that was... Funny um, how that works. Then. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in 2022, you started seeing a therapist, and you had one discussion in particular with this therapist that really... Yes. Helped. Yeah. No, she pointed something out that was actually, like, very beneficial and just made sense in my brain of just the, the tragedy of his passing was quite literally just, like, the window of my life shattering. And then me slowly, you know, recovering from that, picking up those pieces, forming a new window and what that might look like now. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah, I'm a very visual person. So picturing that was very helpful to be like, oh, that's why everything feels broken. Like, because it literally is. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, so that makes, that makes it, a lot it, of sense. Yeah. yeah. So do you ever see yourself going back to religion? I know you said earlier that, like, you kind of identify with Christianity a bit still. I definitely still identify alongside Christianity. I still believe in in like Jesus and a higher power. Mm-hmm. I don't see myself going back to the structured and the routine mm-hmm. of religion. Mm-hmm. There's just too many 
toxic behaviors, attitudes, perceptions, all of that, that just does not align with me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I think if I'm honest with myself, that's always been the case. I've just ignored it until I couldn't ignore it. And that's kind of the blessing of his passing. It was like a, a kind of a gift that he gave me. And I've actually talked to my new therapist about this. Mm. The gift that he gave me of just like, it was so intense that it shattered everything. And it gave me that like rope to kind of pull myself out of these things that I didn't truly believe in, but they weren't enough for me to like actually leave. Right. That makes sense. Huh? No, it's, it's really interesting Mm -hmm. seeing where you are now. I know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's a weird life. Yeah. (laughs) And so do you have any regrets at all? No, no, not at all. I mean, everything has led to who I am now and Mm -hmm. I really like who I am now. Mm -hmm. And I really like that I can talk about this and and maybe I'll feel emotional, Mm -hmm. but I do really enjoy talking about it and just like sharing about, you know, the downsides of, of religion and trauma and mental health, but also there is some positives with it as well. And so just seeing it for what it is, taking what's beneficial and disregarding what's not like I think that's super important in in so many other topics than just these yeah absolutely and do you feel free yes definitely a lot probably took a long time to feel that way oh completely completely like I remember it took a while for me to start feeling that like oh I can do what I want and I don't have to like answer to people and or I can just block them (laughs) how about that yeah look at that (laughs) Um, like like for instance going to I went to the drag rally at the library yes in like January of like oh yeah 2023 this year Mm -hmm. wow it is this year wow you've done a lot (laughs) so much has happened in a year it's crazy um yeah so going to that Mm -hmm. like we touched about this a little bit but like Mm -hmm. a lot of these people did not reach out until I posted going to that drag story drag time story at the library yeah and then i had like one two three four people it was that many yeah from the previous like church community reach out to me and i remember being like you haven't reached out to me since my dad died and now you're reaching out to me like that's not how it no like Mm -hmm. you don't actually care so thank you for showing me that you don't actually care this is helpful yeah and so but that also kind of solidified my reason for leaving as well was just like they're I don't know. It, it it's just an interesting tactic, and it I can see it now versus before. I didn't always see it, mm-hmm. so I, I don't know if I had a point with that. But oh, it, it's <laughs> totally fine. I think it's all really important to talk about. It's all part yeah. of your part of your story, right? Yeah. So you didn't have an identity for Not yourself really. for most of your life until like what the last like two and a bit years. Basically, I I kind of describe myself as a sponge in a way mm. because I just soak up so much of what's around me. Mm-hmm. And then when when what's around you is very controlling and oppressive, it's hard to actually be like, wait, what do I like? What do I want to do? What do I believe? Mm-hmm. And so navigating that, you know, when once getting rid of the routine and the the structure is incredibly hard. But also just finding what I like and what I don't like is so fucking fun. So yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's yeah. really cool. And then how has the healing process been of, of course, like losing your dad and losing basically your past self Yeah, at the same basically. time? Yeah. At times very, very hard, mm-hmm. but at also times absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, like 
I can't even put it into words how amazing it's been. I've been able to have these amazing friendships. And like one of the other brand ambassadors, like Andrea, mm -hmm. she is like, she has lots of best friends, but she's my best friend. Yes. So I'm okay with that. Like she, yeah. you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny where it's like, she'll be like my best friend, this, and, my best, and I'm like, wait, I'm not your only best friend. I'm like, you're my only best friend. What the hell? She has like 10. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But I mean, it's amazing. She's a, it makes sense. She's an amazing person. Yes. But just like having these friendships that just come into your life and lift you up and support you just as you are, mm -hmm. which I haven't really had that. It's more so like, what can you offer me in your friendship? Mm -hmm. And so like that has been so beneficial for the healing of like, Oh, I can just exist and she's still going to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then, and then just, it's just part of the healing of just, just, you know, one step at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so you've, you've tried dating a bit too. I have. You? Yeah. I have. Yeah. I, I dated a little bit previously, but honestly, barely anything. Was it with like religious dudes or? No. Oh. So when I was 23, I dated someone for like four weeks. Oh. We, we kissed. That's about it. Um, <laughs> I know, right? It's gutless. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was not religious. And at the time, I didn't know what I was. Mm. I was like within the Christian world, but not like committed in the Christian world. Yeah. And then, and then once I was committed in the Christian world... I didn't, I didn't really date. I had someone I liked and I told him I liked him, but he didn't reciprocate and that mm -hmm. was it. So that's the extent of my dating history up until like 2022. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you kind of got into a bit of a situationship. Hey? I did. Yeah. I did. I, I, start, I actually start, initially was dating a coworker. Oh yeah. Scandal. So yeah. I know it really was. <laughs> we dated for like three months. Yeah. He, he was very nice. But a bit older, and it just, it wasn't a good fit, but also it was what I needed in the moment. Mm -hmm. So I had no regrets at all. Yeah. And then the situationship happened. We're still friends. We still chat. Okay. Some people don't like that. They're like, well, you need to move on. And I'm like, whatever. He's, yeah. he's a good friend. Yeah. So that was like 10 months of my life. Oh, um, I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Holy, yeah. And so have you been able to like step into the world of like sexuality at all then? We're trying. Yeah. We're trying. Good. Definitely a lot more. I put myself out there a lot more than I used to. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh. Like when I think of myself at 25 to myself now, I'm like, who the fuck is she? <laughs> Someone completely different. And it's so weird that you can say, who is she? Yeah. Because it is a completely different person. Oh, completely different. Yeah. Like completely different. Like for instance hooking up with a guy in Banff when I went there for the book conference. Like, oh, yeah. Andrea talked about that a yeah. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember, like, I was like, am I doing, fuck, am I doing this? I'm doing, yeah. okay, we're doing this. Yeah. Like, and it was amazing. We still Snapchat every so often. And it was like, it's it's one hookup, but it was like, probably the best of my, like, of, like hookups. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is so good. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> no, it's just, it's so nice to hear that, like, you're doing these things without stigma and feeling bad and that a lightning bolt's going to strike you and like yeah, no, it's, all it's, these horrible things will happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that sometimes those insecurities don't exist. They yeah, still do they sometimes. Still do. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of powering through and also just asking myself, why am I feeling like that in this moment? Who, you know, what, what is feeling off and can, let's identify it and let's, fix that and then move on. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, for sure. For sure. So you've done a lot of like cool things, of course, like since leaving, I really wanted to touch on you going to pride. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 So tell us about your that experience. Was, yes. Yeah. No, that was amazing. And my first time ever going to pride mm -hmm. and I went with my friend Stalo, who is phenomenal and I love him so much and I want to meet him so bad. He's amazing. <laughs> and he has been so beneficial in just my understanding of 
these things that I've just never really had an understanding about. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we went to Pride and I wore a rainbow dress and I did like bright makeup yeah. and I absolutely fucking loved it. Yeah. And I got so many compliments on the dress and I was like, amazing. Yeah. And then I got like glitter in my hair and I just felt like a Pride fairy and it was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. But there was one, there was one thing, I think I know what you're wanting to touch on, mm-hmm. but like, I want to talk about it. Like, I loved it yes. so much. Please, please, yeah. So there was quite a few booths there in terms of, like, religious booths. Mm-hmm. But, like, open. Like, they're talking about, like... Like, some of them were like, have you been harmed by religion? Let's talk about it. Mm. Let's let's help heal this. Mm-hmm. And But one of the booths in particular was to de-baptize you. And I remember being like... I It felt iffy. And it, I remember feeling very uncomfortable reading it, being mm-hmm. like this feels like I'm like that was the lightning bolt like God is gonna strike me down if I debaptize myself yeah. like what the hell like that's yeah. just wrong and so like that was my instinctual like panic mm-hmm. so I read it I picked up a pamphlet I walked on and then later on it started raining and I just remember starting I just instinctively started to cry because I'm sitting there with Stalo and I'm watching these beautiful people around me I'm watching like kids playing in the grass with their parents mm-hmm. and people wearing whatever outfits they want to wear and just being themselves and just being open and happy and authentic and oh it was just fucking beautiful and so I'm sitting on the grass and and it's starting to rain and I remember just feeling just this peace just wash over me it was just like this feeling of not that I needed to get debaptized mm-hmm. but it was just kind of like this reassurance and and maybe I don't know maybe it's in my head whatever it was very it, I don't even know how to word it but it was just such an amazing experience. Just this peaceful, like, almost a spiritual reassurance yeah. of, like, you can walk away from this and mm-hmm. it's fine. Like, it's you're okay. okay. Yeah. You know? And I remember, I, I literally started crying and I don't, I tried to hide it because I don't know. It just sounds like a really, a really beautiful experience, too. And, you know, people at church will stand there with their arms up praising the Lord. Mm-hmm. And this is, like, this is something happening right in yeah. front of you. Something that whatever is out there is given yeah. to you. Yeah. yeah. It was so tangible. I don't even know how to word it. Just the feeling is undeniable. It's as strong as I breathe of just reassurance and this love and this acceptance mm-hmm. of Chelsea is becoming who she is meant to become. Mm-hmm. And, you know, no one is there to stifle that. No one is there to tell me not to do that. Mm-hmm. It, there's just this acceptance from this higher power. It was me. Ama- it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm, yeah, it was so good. So before we end this podcast today, I just want to ask Chelsea, where are you now? It's all over the map, but also in such a good way. I think I'd written in my notes of finding our identity constantly evolves because Mm -hmm. we just, through our experiences, through life events, we are just constantly changing as people. Mm -hmm. And so I think, and maybe that's part of the reason why I don't regret any of my story because it's made me who I am now and it's made me this person who just really wants to explore wants to be more accepting as and just wants to experience what life has to offer and whether that's different cultures, different dating cultures, whatever, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And so where I am in 2023 is I just got a new car. So I'm yes, very excited about days that. Ago. Like literally yeah. a week ago. Yeah. So to go from my old Honda to this feels like a huge shift, but like such a good shift of yeah. like I'm I'm succeeding. Like I know what mm-hmm. I'm doing. I'm doing the best I can and yeah. If I falter, I falter, but I think I'll learn of, something from it. I think a lot of people forget, too, like, when you don't have the most reliable vehicle, it 
it does not allow you to do a lot as oh, well. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You were just to and from work. The first time you came for a shoot was for my Flawless series, and you brought a friend's car. I know. I remember yeah. Andrea's car. <laughs> yeah. She was like, you're not taking your Honda no. over the highway. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. then for our other shoots, you have carpooled with her, which yeah. has just kind of worked out. It just means that like now you can actually... Go There's see, so much go more. see your mom and Armstrong yeah. without being like the muffler is gonna fall off today. I know. <laughs> But I think it also ties into me feeling free and just Mm -hmm. being that much more freer in terms of like, yeah, I can drive where I need to go. I can Mm -hmm. show up and be present and not have this like fear holding me back, Mm -hmm. which is just just my general theme of life lately, which is great. You've also, you're an ally to the LGBTQA community. Trying my best. Yeah. And trying to just learn as much as I can. And I'm not going to lie, there may be some bisexual curiosities in there. I definitely had a dream <laughs> regarding a certain someone that we both know. And oh. I, t- I told her about it. And I was, just, and then we just kind of chuckled. Yeah. But it's kind of funny. Stalo believes that Andrea and I are like meant to be together. Oh, We're yeah, like right. twins. Yes. We are so much alike. Yeah. And so he'll be like, I'm just waiting for you guys yeah. to announce when you're getting married. You never and, know. And Stalo actually did my selfie studios. I did mention that in Andrea's podcast as well, but Stalo yeah. is transgender as well. Yes. And honestly, just seems like the coolest person ever. He's the most so. amazing human. <laughs> yeah. And he's also has some similar religious upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to chat with him about it and, mm-hmm know that he understands yeah it's the best thing ever because i'm like sometimes i talk to people and they have no idea and i'm just like okay now i feel like i'm an idiot and you know and so it's just amazing to have someone that has been through similar experiences mm-hmm. sometimes maybe even more intense and can just be like yeah i get it like you do you girl <laughs> like sweet that's amazing yeah. yeah are there like certain things that you're trying to like discover about yourself or grow or work towards Yes, there's a couple things. I'm really trying to... So I think I, I mentioned this earlier in that, you know, in some of the stuff that's happened, I haven't had people to support me. Mm-hmm. And so that's made me very independent, which isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. But, like, I don't turn to people when I need help now. And so that's something I've been discovering. of like, well, there is actually people in my life that are willing to help me. Yes. So I need to ask them yeah. and or be open to them being like, like last night, I was so tired on my night shift last night and I just snapped something. I was like, I on Snapchat and then Andrea messaged me. She's like, do you need anything? And I'm like, oh no, I'm good. I'm like, why wouldn't I be like, hey, can you bring me a coffee? Yeah. But I didn't even think of that because yeah. I'm, I'm just my own boss bitch, so babe, used you know, to having to do everything for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah, I get that too. I, I really have a problem with that. And I think too, because I just get things done like faster and easier yeah. a lot of the times by myself. But, it's, yeah. you know, if there's something in my house and my husband will be like, well, I'll do that. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. And now yeah. I'm realizing, no, I can't actually tell him to do shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not saying that it's a bad thing to be independent. I think mm-hmm. it's amazing to be independent. Yes. But to be accepting of that help when it's offered and, and to know that it's reliable support, like mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's something you're growing towards? In, in, uh, what's something for 2024 you want to work towards? I really want to work on my career. Like I currently work in supportive housing, which I'm realizing I may need to give up. Not I don't know if give up is the right word, but I move think I move from. on from. Yeah. Just because it's it can be very emotionally exhausting, it's and just lot. recognizing that, and then being okay. Well, where can I? Where do I best fit in that I can grow? Mm-hmm. And so pursuing that, which hopefully by the time this comes out, I will have. I have a job interview tomorrow. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. I'm so excited for you. Um, so hopefully by the time this comes out, I will be working as assistant manager in a care home. Hell yeah. 
So I'm like super stoked for that if it happens because it just feels like the next step mm-hmm. into into just like pursuing some of those more leadership roles mm-hmm. and actually being confident in the abilities that I have and the mm-hmm. experience that I've had that's given me like this insight mm-hmm. and compassion and care. That's funny. My situationship. Oh yeah. <laughs> he well exit whatever. Yep. He calls me a social justice warrior. Because he's not. He's right. he's going to be more conservative and more, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And that's fine. Each to their own. I don't care. But the first time he called me that, I remember being like, what the fuck is that? And I had to kind of look it up. And now I'm like, you know what? I, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm okay with that. With having to be so, like, sheltered and so closed off to now, like, embracing this, to be passionate about these things. Like, I'm, I joined a social justice book club. Hell yeah, you did. I'm so excited. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, it's definitely, the topics are definitely a lot more intense Mm -hmm. but it's so like to talk about this with like like like-minded people who are like this wasn't right what happened Mm -hmm. and and let's talk about it how can we you know be more open and show awareness of you know our first book was the the residential schools and so oh wow yeah holy yeah yeah that's hard to get into (laughs) and so but like i love it Oh, that sounds, you know, no, I love talking about it, but just it should like, be talked about more yeah, is what exactly. you're getting at. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. No, that, so, that's so really I think cool. just, yeah, like growing into that yeah. and then just slowly just finding more of myself and just, you know, like mm-hmm. we had said earlier about the, the window being shattered and mm-hmm. just like putting it back together mm-hmm. and, or if the window needs to be smaller or bigger or whatever, mm-hmm. who cares? I can I can do what I need to do with it. Yeah, right? I think even you, the the flawless project I did was a complete model call. It was just like, okay, if you are interested in this, like please apply. Let me know a little bit about yourself. And as soon as I read your application, I was like, she is it. That is who I want. <laughs> and you didn't even really give me like that much information about all of this, but it was enough for me to be like, she needs this. Yeah. You oh, know? completely. Yeah. It, that was such a life changer too in terms of, I remember, <laughs> I remember just like coming out in the thong, like going oh like God, this yeah. and then like <laughs> 10 minutes later, hands free, just like, yeah. like boobs so, out. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so freeing. And then especially yeah. in living in a larger body and just wearing medical devices, you know, surgical scars, stretch marks, mm-hmm. all that, to be able to just fully embrace it. Mm-hmm. Like that was such a pivotal moment of like, if I can embrace that, I can embrace everything. Yeah. I can make it like not have it control me and mm-hmm. me control it and shape it how it needs to be shaped kind of thing. Yeah. I was very so. excited when you applied for brand ambassador and then Andrea applied at the same time. You guys didn't even know you were applying. I didn't know. I honestly had no idea she was so applying. So funny. Yeah. yeah. And then you both we're just like the perfect fit and then you know I found out after that that you guys are besties and I was like what the hell like what are the (laughs) odds of all of this like what is happening here yeah but again if if you want to say that was like a higher power thing happening or just also being able to experience being a brand ambassador and yeah getting to know your sexuality and all this stuff with your best friend yeah someone who I can be comfortable with and Mm -hmm. who is going to challenge my thinking and and just be supportive Mm -hmm. with what I'm learning absolutely it's amazing and you get to meet like more like-minded people by being a VA. Oh, yeah. All like, stuff. I'm so excited so for the next podcast with Kelsey. Yes. I'm so excited We're to chat about that. Kelsey come on, and she is, I've known her very, very long time, and she is just, like, a spitfire. Oh, yeah. Hilarious, hilarious girl. But over the last few years, she's been through quite a bit as well, and mm-hmm. I think having the contrast of um, everything you've been through and everything that she's been through come together is going to mm-hmm. be very interesting. I'm so, excited. I'm so yeah. excited. 
Yeah, so I think that's everything for this podcast today. Do you have any any final notes? No, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I enjoy chatting about it. And, and again, it's all over the map because that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know, just embracing life as it happens. And, and I mean, yeah, obviously there's going to be hard things in life. Mm-hmm. But that's also part of life. Absolutely. And so then just kind of like taking it as it happens mm-hmm. and, and I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Learning more, running yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. Just like soaking it up and... Yeah. and and yeah, learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereabouts can people find you on social media? What's your Instagram? Oh, yes. <laughs> My Instagram is. Um, no, it's who else but Chelsea. It is. But I can't remember the, the punctuation of it. <laughs> yes. I love it. So funny story. That used to be my nickname when I was in like Mennonites and I okay. hated it because this one boy would be like, oh, it's who else but Chelsea. And I like, I fucking hated it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to slap him upside the head. I never did. Oh, mail just got delivered. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what was that? Being like, boom. Okay, yeah. Continue. But now, you know, now I'm 30 years old and I'm just like, I love that. Like, who mm-hmm. else but Chels? Yes, it's me. It's mine. I'm claiming it. So I absolutely love it. It's so good. Yeah, so it's... Okay, so punctu- Yes. Who dot else underscore <laughs> but period Chels. C-H-E-L-S-E. It's a mouthful. Yeah, <laughs> It is. That's why I wanted to spell it. But she is very fun to follow on social media. I highly, highly recommend it. She posts some really fun stories on the daily and everything too. So yeah, that's everything for today. Thank you for listening. And I hope you all have a fantastic whatever day of the week it is. And I'll be back with another episode soon. Bye.